Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, Twitter came alive with conspiracy theories yesterday. Is there any more fun than a good realignment conspiracy theory? That ESPN, if you, if you ever played the uh, game Hearts, where someone tries to shoot the moon, it's a game where typically you try not to take any uh, hearts because they all cost you one point, or the Queen of Spades because it costs you 13, except if you take all the hearts and the Queen of Spades, everybody else gets 26 points and you get zero. It's called shooting the moon. ESPN was going for shoot, shooting the moon. They were trying to monopolize college football and ultimately cutting a lot of teams, Utah and BYU, for sure, cutting them out and just turning it into a little mini NFL with somewhere between, I don't know, 24, 32, maybe 40 teams tops. Just kind of the way they cut some teams out in the, uh, in the Big 12. They already pushed CBS out of the SEC. The ACC, desperate little brother, took a long-term deal that they probably shouldn't have taken. And so they had two important properties. And if they could get the SEC to talk the other leagues into, hey, we'll expand the playoffs to 12 teams. We'll let you in. You'll have more access. Uh, because it was under contract, they would have um, liked to have re-up without ever letting that go to market, not letting Fox or CBS or NBC have a shot at it. At which point, they would have been getting pretty close. Let's see, you got two leagues plus half the Big Ten plus the playoff. You're getting pretty close to monopolizing everything. And once you have the monopoly, you can consolidate and cut teams out. And who's going to say anything, especially if all the other – Broadcast entities have given up on college football. Well, I think uh, there are plenty of people who believe that's what the alliance is all about. All this stuff about academics, blah, blah, blah. The library stuff was an especially fabulous slash hideous touch. And the non-conference games and scheduling a little more, that's just kind of uh, slicing on the corner of the cake there. But the main part of the deal is they got the votes to stop the restructuring of the playoff until it goes to market and make sure that no one network controls the whole thing, that at least two, if not three networks, stay interested in college football. I will not be surprised at all if in the Pac-12's new deal, Fox and CBS get a big part of things here. Um, And will Fox and CBS uh, push ESPN out of the Big Ten? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. There'll be politics. There'll be backroom deals. I don't think anything's close to done. I think predicting for sure what is going to happen right now is crazy, except that the networks, I think, realize, whoa, 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 ESPN's engineered a lot of this, and they're going for a monopoly, and we will be in a big-time position of weakness. If you're Illinois and Northwestern and Indiana and Purdue, maybe Iowa and Michigan State, Washington State, Oregon State. Oh, Rutgers, Maryland. <laughs> Two-thirds of the ACC. Yeah, you're in a position of real weakness. So you can't let this happen. You cannot let this happen. So, this you can see where it goes, and the, the conspiracy theorists were out. Uh, John Wilner, the hammer, as PK likes to call him, was right in the middle of it. There were multiple national guys tweeting about this last night. It was interesting. Somebody talked, clearly. Clearly, somebody talked. Somebody who's... Uh, Deep in the weeds and conspiracy and <laughs> remaining completely and totally anonymous. They talked. So we'll see where that goes from there. But I think for Utah and BYU, man, if there's a monopoly and this thing gets pared down, 
to 50 teams to 40 teams to 36 or 32 teams. Yeah, not good. <laughs> and there's no way both Utah and BYU would be in, and I really don't think either one would be. So there you go. We'll see how that plays out going forward. Um, but it makes the Pac-12 TV, TV negotiations all the more interesting. Which, if the Pac-12 really does embrace, you know, two games to Fox and two games to CBS and two games to the Pac-12 network because nobody wants to watch the bottom feeders. And right now it's Arizona and Oregon State probably a year ago or two years ago. It was Colorado. Uh, for a while it was the Utes. I don't think any of the networks want that. I think that's why the, the Pac-12 and Big tw- uh, Big Ten networks will continue to exist because, you know, does anybody really want to watch Rutgers? You know, whoever whoever the struggling three-win team is, no thanks. Out. Joe. That was the big news in, uh, in college sports. Oh, and then, of course, locally, um, the Trib reporting and then other people reporting subsequently that uh, the quarterback decision has been made at, at Utah, and it'll be Charlie Brewer. And then uh, Kyle doing his press conference yesterday afternoon. You're going to hear from that uh, in our next segment. Uh, PK was up there and, and talked to some folks. And you'll hear Kyle, you know, we're going to stick with our plan. We'll release the depth chart on Thursday. I guess whoever knows has a 50-50 chance. And then, uh, you know, well, do the players uh, know? Yeah, the players know. Oh, okay. Well, can 100 people keep a secret? Mm, occasionally, not usually, not frequently for sure. Um, so, all right, we'll get to all of that coming up. Um, but that was the uh, that was the big news of the day right there. That and the fact that Tony Finau won on the PGA Tour in a playoff. Um, and, and no real drama because, uh, you know, when you hit your drive down the middle and the other guy hits the drive OB, that pretty much wraps things up right there. So Tony came up big. Um, and I already saw the jokes on Twitter, you know, Tony still can't win on Sunday. I don't know why people <laughs> love it. Hey, he won a good tournament. There were, there were a lot of big names. and Yeah, he won on a Monday because it was weather on a Sunday. So I guess that's a funny joke. But for Tony Finau, a second win. And you, know, you always wonder when somebody breaks through in a situation like this. I've already seen people saying about the Milwaukee Bucks, too. You know, once you get one, does it take the pressure off and you can win more? And I think we've seen that with other teams in the past. It certainly can happen. I think in golf it happened for Phil Mickelson. Um, so we'll see where this goes for Tony. But uh, he gets the win, and he's going to play in the uh, Ryder Cup, and uh, it's a big deal. It's a big win. Big win for uh, Tony Finau. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Kyle Whittingham and Britton Covey and uh, PK with Brant Keithy. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utes meeting with the media. We are getting so close. A week from Thursday, nine days now to the Utes opener with Weber State, here is Britton Covey with the media. A good way to scout the defense is to ask players on offense. So, yeah. I mean, is that secondary going to be just as nasty as ever? Yes. Uh, what's really cool is, you know, you always hear things 
about Utah defense and how you never worry about the defense, right? Everybody's kind of heard that phrase. And I think a big part of that is because before we even worry about scheme and things, Coach focuses on culture. Coach Scali and Shaw, they just say, this is our culture. We are nasty. We're ball hawks. We are this. We're trustworthy. And then once you build that culture, everything speeds up. Um, the learning process speeds up. And so uh, you've got a lot of guys that are bought into that. You know, you've got the Clark Phillips to Travis Broughton's of the world, and then you've got the Vontae Davis who's really stepping up. So as long as we fill those pieces that haven't gotten experience um, with skill, but in terms of culture, it's there. Yeah. I, this is, might be, I mean, I don't know, you've played in front of crowds and you've also played in front of empty stadiums. Right. You've got teammates on this team that are going to be playing this season who have not played in front of 50,000 fans. Mm -hmm. So for you, or in your opinion, how are these guys going to do in front of a packed house knowing or being that they've never played in front of fans before? Mm -hmm. Or will there not be really any sort of difference? Yeah, I think there will be a difference. Uh, you are a little wide-eyed the first time that you come out. I remember my first game was Michigan, right? It was Jim Harbaugh's first game. That was the first one. Yeah, that was my first ever college game. It was the most intimidating thing in, in the world. But um, I just remember visualizing every single day leading up to the game, imagining it so that when I went out there, it was like I had done it a hundred times in my backyard, right? Visualizing it. So uh, I can usually sense what guys are going to feel that, and I try and talk with them early on. Uh, you know, I remember Nate Ritchie last year was pretty nervous, and so I took him to the side. And I think that's kind of on the leader of every position group to realize which guys are going to feel that, which guys will be affected by it, and go seek them out. Make them feel better. Yeah. We saw that they made Cam Rising captain. What about his leadership skills? I think that speaks volumes to things. Uh, Cam has taken charge from. It's really hard to be named captain when coming off of an injury. Let me tell you that. I remember, <laughs> I mean, I even remember I was named captain in 2019, um, but I tore my ACL. And I wasn't with the team most of the time because I was doing so much rehab, and I didn't get to see the guys. And I remember thinking, like, I'm, I, I'm a captain, but I don't feel like one. And that's where I really admire Cam. He's been in rehab all spring most of the summer just constantly and yet he still has taken the time to be with the guys and take that leadership role get you know seven on seven in the summer organized and uh the other thing about cam is he is very jovial that's it's not hovial right it's jovial, jovial yeah jovial. in spanish this is be, english in spanish it would be hovial so yeah it's, he's very <laughs> he's very jovial cam you will never see Cam without a huge smile on his face. To me, he looks like a VeggieTales character. I don't know. He's just <laughs> constantly smiling with his mustache and his long hair. Um, very approachable, and I'm really proud of him for being named captain. Any concern that sometimes when there's a quarterback battle that uh, teams get divided? If one guy, one group players want this player, one of the other players want that player. Any concern there? Um, not that I can foresee. Uh, I, can't see, I can't foresee any of that happening, especially because Cam is such a good leader and because Charlie is such a good leader. Um, I don't think that it will happen. You know, that usually happens when whoever's named you know, the backup goes into the locker room and starts okay. you know, getting guys yeah, yeah. together. And um, Those guys, neither of them are like that. And I don't think that there would be this 
you know, absolute loyalty to one guy because there's loyalty to the team and what we believe will be the best situation. So unless one of them goes into the locker room after not being named the starter to gripe and everything like that, other than that, uh, I don't foresee any of that. And those guys aren't like that. So Plus, in today's college football, you're probably going to lead at least two quarterbacks the way it is anyway. You do. You really do. You saw what happened last year in the yeah. second possession, right? Uh, it's so nice to have two great quarterbacks. Like, it is such a relief. And two quarterbacks who are really good at what we're trying to do this year. I think that's given Coach Ludwig a big, um, taken a big burden off of his shoulders. Because even Cam and Jake were really different players last year mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in capability and things like that. So. so game planning won't change as much no matter who's there? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I really think that game planning would hardly change at all, depending on who's out there. You know Tony Fino at all? Uh, I, I hit a tee shot in front of him at a, at a tournament, hit a little baby fade. I was really embarrassed. Cause 280, 290? Yeah, we'll say. We'll say <laughs> did you know he won today? Yes, I was, that was the first thing I did when I got back to my locker was check because I was watching the first 12 holes then I had to go out for practice. <laughs> I'm the biggest golf fan yeah, that you will yeah, meet, yeah. especially Tony. I, my wife makes fun of me. We watched his tournament last year where he finished second in the tournament in the playoff and I fell on the ground and my wife was just <laughs> laughing at my suffering. And so if Tony ever sees this, Tony, I am your biggest fan and I'm so happy. Maybe he won because it wasn't Sunday. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. The first tournament you don't finish on Sunday. Just, just to follow up on what you said, you said Coach Wick got pretty heated when he found out that, you know, it's the, a rumor snuck out about the quarterback. I mean, was it one through 10? Like how, how mad was he? Uh, I wasn't there when, okay. when that happened. That's, that's according to, uh, one of the other position coaches. Really calm with us. Yeah. yeah, that was a. I think that that happened in the morning. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, I think it's more. It's not about what information was leaked. It's just about the fact that it was yeah, leaked. If that makes sense. And so, I have yeah. one more for you. You're named a team captain. You keep bragging about everybody else and all the leadership that they have. But how many times have you been named team captain? And did this one feel any sort of different going into a year where everything's almost back to normal? Yeah. Um, this is my third time being captain, and honestly, of anything that's, football's been great to me in my life, right? And of anything that I've ever done on the football field or anything like that, uh, this is by far the most important thing to me. And so that and then the academic All-American, those are the two most important things that, in regards to football that I feel like I've ever done. And um, I think that it's because guys know where my mindset is and that I'm not about myself, you know, I'm not obsessed with going to the NFL. I'm not obsessed with having a great game. Um, you get to the point where you have to live in the present. I think that's, that's the problem right now with college football. So many guys are living in the future and they do not enjoy what's right in front of them. Um, and then I, I hope that I can bring just an experience level to the team. I understand what it takes to win a Pac-12 championship on the mental side of things. I, I th that's, that's what I've realized is football, when you get late into the season, is so much more mental than it is physical. And so I hope I can bring that to the guys. But that, it, I don't even have words for what a big honor that is to me. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't care about myself. Like, you know, this is all about them and, and the whole team. So There is Britton Covey. Now here's the head coach, Kyle Whittingham. So uh, do you have an answer for us on your quarterback? We'll have a depth chart on Thursday, and uh, that's how we're going to handle it. I guess somebody said that somebody made some 
predictions or think they know what's up. I guess they have a 50-50 shot, so <laughs> they might be right. But, but we'll have a depth chart for you, definitive depth chart on uh, Thursday. I can tell you who our captains are. Hmm. Offensive captains, Britt Covey and, and uh, Cam Rising. And on defense, uh, Devin Lloyd and Mika Tafua. And then uh, Keegan Margraff will be the first special teams captain that will rotate each week, depending on who has the best special team performance. But he's he's the one for week one. And so five good selections by our team. Uh, we also have a full 16-man uh, leadership council that uh, I think Maddie's, if she hasn't already released, she will release it. And uh, felt like the players did an outstanding job of selecting their leadership. Since the quarterback battle was so tight, is it all or nothing as far as the starter goes and the backup? Well, we have a one and we have a two. And so we've not uh, historically been a two-platoon uh, system or or uh, rotating guys. Uh, that's not the plan right now. I guess anything's possible, but as of right now, that's not the plan. Does the team know and do the guys know? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, the team knows. Yeah, we announced that uh, in the team meeting today. What was the reaction to the naming the starter? Well, very businesslike and very, you know, it was fortunate things. We got two really good guys and, and uh they would support either one. Whichever one gets the call, they're going to rally behind, and, and uh, so that's what we expect. Are you able to say who number three is, Kyle? Not yet. That's still ongoing. We've had some health issues with uh, one of the guys in the battle, and so that's kind of slowed that down. We would have had an answer by now, but uh, we had a guy miss some reps, and hopefully we get him back uh, tomorrow. Since the team knows, and you obviously don't want other people to know, how come? We just said we'd announce it Thursday, and so that's just we'll stick with the plan. You know, just not be wishy-washy, not worry about who thinks they know what out there or whatever, just stick with our plan and go about our business, not not be reactionary. How do you feel about your offensive line, and is it set yet? It's not set yet 100%, and the reason is is because we're not 100% sure who will be available on September 2nd. And so if we knew who would be available, we'd have it set 100%, but we're still kind of working through that and, and waiting for a couple guys to get uh, back on the field. So what we see Thursday may not be the case necessarily with the O line on. We'll on have a better Thursday. better vision, but there might be a position or two that's an or, depending on uh, you know where we're at with that. Coach, how's the running back situation going right now? Still tight. Four guys. They'll all see action in the game as of now, unless someone dramatically dramatically separates themselves in the next. Uh, we've got eight practices, but right now they all have worked hard. They all deserve reps, and uh, that should play itself out much like it did last year. Are you okay with that being decided in, in a couple of games? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, as long as we're getting the production. It doesn't matter who's giving it to us as long as we have it. And it's not uh, like the quarterback position where you want continuity and and it's so important. I mean, you want continuity everywhere, but it's not critical like it is at QB or O-line. Now that, now that camp's over, are you more – is it more light work as far as practice goes? Yes and no. Today was a very light day, but we still have a couple, two or three heavy days before we line up and play, full padded heavy days. But uh, we'll start to taper off after the weekend. And, of course, it's a short week uh, as far as playing on Thursday. So so in that regard, we'll, we'll make sure we have them fresh. The coaches will do their job making sure they're fresh. And then when do you guys start prep on Weber? Oh, it started. It started. started a week ago. Yeah, we broke into scout teams a week ago today and started that. Have you guys finalized the Ty Jordan scholarship yet? No, that's uh, something now that we have the leadership council in place. First order of business with them tomorrow is to talk about that and and bounce ideas off them, see if they have ideas on how we want to go about it and, and, uh, you know, what the criteria exactly they want it to be. And we purposely left it for for them to uh, have a bunch of input on that. But we'll know who it is before game one. I think you did this a couple years back. You had Troy Williams was a captain and didn't start. And I know you don't want to name the starter, but yeah. if it's not rising, uh, you're comfortable and, with and him. He was a captain last year, too, and didn't start. Okay, there so, you go. So, so it's, it's not, not awkward. It's not uncharted territory if that's the way it goes down. But, 
but uh, I told the team, hey, we don't vote for the, the funniest guy or the, you know, the guy that's your friend, and you vote for the best leaders, and I think that's what they did. I know that's what they did. Devin Lloyd made another preseason All-American team today. Good for Second him. team AP. You've coached a lot of linebackers. You played it. What, what's maybe the trait that really sets him apart or makes him a special linebacker? Just his relentlessness towards the game, his, his passion for preparation, for perfection. He wants to be the best, and he's, he's as driven as anybody I've ever coached uh, in manifesting it. He doesn't just talk about it. He doesn't. He's in the film room constantly. He's out after practice, you know, first one to get there, last guy to leave type of a deal. And so he just doesn't talk about it. He does it. He's all about it. Have you heard anything about this potential alliance between the Pac-12 and a couple other conferences? And if so, you have any thoughts? I uh, just heard bits and pieces. Mainly, it's, to me, it sounds like just a scheduling alliance. I'm not sure if it goes beyond that. Uh, so I don't have any thoughts. I don't. I haven't had time to really pay attention to that. I'm sure when it gets serious and we're starting to get to the point where uh, it's reality and something's going to happen, I'm sure I'll get filled in. But right now I'm just trying to get the team ready. You've had a lot of continuity in your coaching staff the last few years. What's that been like to be able to kind of keep your team at a high level so far? Oh, it's great. It's, it's critical. And, and being able to have continuity and consistency and, and carry over, that's, that's ideal. And, and uh, we had the one... Uh, wide receiver coach turnover this year, but that was a smooth transition. Chad has been here before in our system and knows exactly what what the culture is and what the expectations are. And so, but that's a positive as long as you got good coaches. I mean, if you have a bunch of lousy coaches and they're around forever, that's probably not ideal. But, but I think we got very good coaches. We have an unusual situation where a lot of kids were first-time players last year and nobody played in front of a crowd. And then hopefully that's the plan this year. Have you done anything to prepare them for that? No, nothing we really can do. We just see everyone reacts a little bit differently when the when the uh, lights are on and it's it's uh you know everything's live and the crowd's there but but uh, you know we can't i guess we could hire fifty thousand people to come sit in there i don't know <laughs> we didn't do that maybe i should have taken that approach but but uh my guess is they'll handle it pretty good all right there is kyle whittingham and uh he's gonna stick to his plan he's not gonna be reactive show no weakness ever 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 uh, that's Kyle Whittingham. All right, now here's PK. He got uh, Brent Keithy for a few minutes. Here's their conversation. So why isn't the stud tight end all-conference not voted team captain? That's got to make you <laughs> irritated. Uh, not really. Um, I don't really try and play into any of that stuff. If I get voted, I get voted. If I don't, I don't. But I'm just happy to be a part of leadership, and um, I'm just happy to lead in any way I can. Even if I didn't have a title, I would still play in that leadership role just because I don't think you really need a title or a role to be that type of person. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I've seen plenty of guys who aren't captains, but yet they end up being leaders on teams because they just have that ability, yeah. and plus they have good production. That's mm-hmm. where you feel you are? Um, yeah, uh, in a sense, yes. I, also, it is nice to have that role and have that title, but um, I think a lot of people um, kind of want that title and don't really use it like, they're sh- like they should do it. But, um, I mean... For myself, I, I don't think I really need a title just just to be a leader and whatnot. And if, if I had it, if I didn't, I wouldn't really care. A lot of veterans on this team. Can you speak to that as far as the leadership goes? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you can you repeat that? <laughs> a lot of leadership. Britton Covey just walked in and said something dumb, as he normally does. Uh, a lot of leadership on this team. 
you you have a number of young guys, but yeah. yet you got a, a particular on offense. You got a lot of guys who've been around the program for a number of years. I mean, how good is that to have that much experience? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, it's awesome to have a lot of guys coming back, especially Mika, Devin, and, and a lot of guys like that. Uh, it's great to have them back, just as a leadership role, and just the guys to have their back. And I think it's great that we have so many young guys, which I know it's it's a negative for a lot of teams, but it's great for us just because this is the new generation that's coming in plus all these guys can help us win a game win a championship whatnot so it's great to have the guys that we have coming back and the guys that are stepping up and also the newer generation coming now you've been here and played before fans you got a lot of guys who have playing experience obviously the five games but no fans last year how do you think it's going to be for them because it might be a little different Mm -hmm. to see a bunch of people fifty thousand people all of a sudden after having zero (laughs) yeah i think i think it's gonna be a change uh i think for a home game it's a lot better just because it's the home crowd and depending on what side of the ball you are it helps but especially for a away game, it's definitely going to change for the guys on offense and whatnot. But I think it'll just take them a couple games. Uh, for me, I, I know it took maybe one or two games, so I, I wouldn't expect any less for anybody else. Now, I'm not going to ask you to give up anything because they don't want the quarterback being announced. But Kyle said that the team knows, so obviously you know. Can you just break down the strengths of both guys? Uh, yeah, both of them can throw and run it. Uh, I think that's as simple as I can put it. Um, Charlie has a lot of experience and Cam just has the trust of the players. He's been here for two, three years and um, I think that's the best I can describe both of them. And uh, I mean, they they trust us as individuals and receivers, no matter what you are, running back, receiver, tight end, whatnot. um, They just trust to throw it up and no matter if it's one-on-one coverage, no matter what, they trust us and I think that's the biggest factor. Sometimes you hear when it's a close battle and Coach Whittingham said it was neck and neck that you might have guys who are in practice every day. Well, I like this guy I like that guy what's the situation with this team um I would definitely say it was neck and neck um there wasn't a clear-cut guy that you could see who was going to be picked and uh I think the decision was I think the decision was made how it was going to be made and um can't disagree and and whatnot it's just how it was so there wouldn't be any sense of guys picking favorites though once the decision is made and have some kind of carryover effect um I'm sure that could happen, but um, as of right now, I I don't see it. At the same time, it's not your job to pick the starting quarterback. So, when when you break it down to the you know down to the crux of it, do you really care? Um, Yes and no. Uh, I know it's not our decision to pick the starting quarterback, but to have influence and. the guy who's going to be leading us out in the field, it would be nice to have a little bit of input, but at the end of the day, it's um, they have the best interest for us, and whoever they pick is is going to be the one who takes us out in the field. Now, you've been around long enough to know that uh, you probably need two quarterbacks during the course of the season. You just never know what's going to happen. Would somebody like you, who's a veteran guy and got that leadership that people respect, make sure that the, the other guy who's not the starter is still into it? To, because he's at some point he may yeah. very well be called upon. Yeah, uh, I don't think at all in this situation that, I mean, no matter who gets picked, um, is definitely going to be bummed out. But I don't think there's going to be a situation about someone leaving. I, I just don't see it. Um, I think they're going to keep their head high and whoever it is. And they're going to be ready whenever their name is called. Yeah, I didn't necessarily mean leaving, but just, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. you might sulk or pout. I yeah. don't know if those are the right words. Yeah, and no, I don't, I don't see it. I think they're just going to wait patiently and just wait for the number to be called. And when it's called, they're going to be ready. How excited just are you for a regular season to have it because you didn't have 
Hammett last year? Oh, super excited. Um, last year was just kind of a blur just without the whole season and not having fans. Uh, it wasn't bad, honestly. I, I didn't think it was bad just not having the distraction of the fans, but having them back and kind of bring the energy back to rest and, and just everywhere else, it, it's going to be real nice. Thank you. Appreciate it. There's PK with Brant Keithy. All right, when we come back, Las Vegas becoming a player. They got the Pac-12 basketball tournament. Now they've got the Pac-12 title game. They've got the Pac-12 in the Las Vegas Bowl. They've brought in the NHL. They brought in the NFL. And now they've been linked to Major League Baseball and the athletics by the guy who runs the athletics. How serious is that? Uh, Mark Anderson and Mark's conversation with the Pac-12 commissioner as well. Mark's coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, and we are joined by Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review Journal. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. We have many things to discuss with you. Uh, mostly Pac-12, but you might have a Major League Baseball question or two based on some of the headlines from the weekend. Uh, But I'm just really curious how much this surprises you, because I think you're coming up on, well, it's more than 20 years. You might be coming up on a quarter of a century in Las Vegas, and everything seems to be changing very quickly in the world of sports in Las Vegas. It's like a different town. Yeah, yeah. I've been here since 99, so you're, you're correct. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, if you told me and like moved, moved here, uh, how much does it do? To, I'm not shocked. We eventually got a pro team. Um, because I figured at some point that was going to happen the way the city was growing. Um, but you know, to have the NFL here, I never thought would happen. And now, you know, there's still, you now there's talk of the A's. There's talk about the NBA's a, a real possibility. Um, I'm not sure we can support three or four teams, but who knows? But it's, uh, it's, it's it is pretty incredible. Yeah, the thing that's got me nervous, Mark, is I am not going to be heading south out of uh, Vegas on I-15 on Sunday after Raider games. Man, the traffic already is miserable. I can only imagine what that's going to be. We didn't have it last year because of no fans, but this year it's it's just going to be incredible. Oh, yeah, I know. You're right. That Sunday, uh, whether you're going to L.A. or Phoenix on on that Sunday or up to Salt Lake on that Sunday, it's just just, uh, horrible. (laughs) Well, LA's already horrible <laughs> on a Sunday. I mean, to put a football crowd on top of that, I've seen that thing. At par- I used to live in Southern California. It was a parking lot. Yeah. Everybody has stories about it. Everybody yeah. makes that oh, mistake yeah. once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I once drove from LA to Las Vegas and t- took uh, took us seven hours to get here. Oh, gosh. That was not fun. That was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> what should be for? You know, the thing that caught my eyes the other day, you had an interview with George Klyakov, uh, the uh, – Back 12 commissioner, I assume, Mark, that you have a relationship with him because of his presence for the time that he worked in Los Angeles. And I not only saw your story in the Review Journal, I also saw it being quoted 
in several different places, media outlets over the weekend. So it got a lot of buzz. Uh, and we talked about it the other day, and I said we got to get Mark on to have him talk about it. Um, the thing that there was plenty of stuff in there that caught my eye, but he was talking about the expansion potentials, and he said, you know, it's the schools that you would think of that have contacted the Pac-12, which we assume the the remaining eight of the Big 12. But then he also said, and plus there'll be some that I think you would be surprised by, and that shot up our antennas. What do you think he meant by that latter statement? Yeah, I I wasn't sure what to make of that either. Um, you have to figure any group of five schools reaching out to them, at least on, in the west western part of the United States. But I'm wondering if maybe there's like a big ten, couple of Big Ten schools out there, maybe a couple of ACC schools out there, um, who are that are, are putting fewer out to the Pac-12. Because when he says those, because you wouldn't expect schools from those conferences maybe to be reaching out. So that's what makes me wonder. Uh, the maybe like there's a, maybe there's a couple schools in the ACC that are looking at their situations like because I think they get that really long contract at ESPN they're like you know what's the what's the, what's the big play here is this are we going to just wait out this long contract where everyone else moves forward I mean maybe that's what's going on I don't know but that's that's kind of my suspicion because like I said you would expect group of five schools you as, as you pointed out all the big Big Twelve schools are, are looking to do something. So, um, yeah, that's 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 not the only thing I can really figure. So when he talks, and you went down an interesting line with him, and a lot of it's been covered, but the whole in-game betting thing seems like it's about to explode. Your ability to bet on your phone legally in a lot of places, and to bet on you know quarter by quarter, inning by inning. Uh, maybe even possession by possession. I don't know where this is going. That seems like a massive new revenue stream, and he seemed really dialed into it. And I thought his answer to you was really careful, not just legalized and all that, but he mentioned and taxed. For all of you on the fence, think about how much tax money your local city or state might be getting. Absolutely, and I think that's part of the big selling point. Um, you know, the big the, the argument that Las Vegas has made for years and years is, that sports betting is is, um, is you know, there's there's regulation here that it's it's harder to fix games here than it is places where it's, where you, it's illegal. But and if you looked at most of the the uh, point shaving scandals, really pretty much all of them they're from outside of Nevada. Um, so I think now most places are have come around to that thinking as well, and they realize that if if you really want to monitor it, you have to legislate it or, or you know, regulate it. And then if you can take make money on top of it, <laughs> you know, that I think that gets people really thinking. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think uh, at some point it's just going to be everywhere. It's going to be legal everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like uh, marijuana in that regard, where it's becoming State, uh, different states are realizing, you know, you can actually make money off taxing this thing. So I think that's kind of where you're, you're seeing that heading. So I've been reading a lot about Klyovkov. It was an out-of-the-box hire. Didn't know much about him until he got hired as they uh, announced it to succeed. Larry Scott uh, was down in Los Angeles last month. We broadcast all day on Pac-12 Media Day. He came on. Seems like a real affable guy who has a good sense of humor and all that stuff. Uh, why do you think that the Pac-12 was interested in him as the commissioner, and what does he bring? Well, he, he's 
he's done some work on the sports side. He was one of the big drivers in helping Las Vegas land some NCAA championship events, including uh, the uh, 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 not a Final Four, but a, a men's basketball regional and a Frozen Four uh, hockey uh, final, version of the Final Four. So he was he was pretty big behind that. MGM, of course, is a huge property. Um, he sees it not he's handled not only the sports side, he's handled the entertainment side, and he, and he understands the importance of uh, you know, selling things to fans, to spectators. So I think I think the Pac-12, especially when you look at the TV deal and how they really need to get that going, get make the Pac-12 more visible. I think they, he, I think he probably brought some ideas ideas to them that showed he can get it done. So uh, it was, you know, it's definitely a, a an out of the box hire. I don't know this hire gets made ten years ago, maybe not even five years ago, but I think that where the Pac-12 is now and where you also see, as we talked about the league like sports betting and his background there, I think, uh, I think the time was just right for him. Mark Anderson joined us, sports reporter for the Las Vegas Review Journal has a long interview. You can find it online and read it with the Pac-12's new commissioner. And I, I thought one thing Kalavka kind of hinted at was that the league gets well compensated for playing in that fourth TV window, that late-night game that is 8.30 Mountain Time and causes fans here to grind their teeth. Uh, But he also made the point, uh, while it's really valuable to the networks because they're the only Power 5 league that can play in that that window, it costs them when it comes to Heisman Trophy. It costs them when it comes to perception because by halftime, it is midnight on the East Coast and only the really hardcores are hanging in there. So he... Definitely is signaling that he wants some guaranteed earlier time slots. Uh, CBS has just lost the SEC. Whether they get the deal or not, will it force Fox or ESPN to guarantee them some earlier time slots? Or might they send part of the package to CBS so that they're guaranteed something while the rest of the country's awake? Yeah, and I think my suspicion is what's going to happen. They'll probably still have games at that time slot because that is such a wide open window in, in the West Coast and you do you, you know you're right you're, you're you're cutting up the East Coast audience but you, your primary target really is the West Coast and there are people who want to still want to see games that uh, at that time so I still think that's probably going to happen but what's my my suspicion is is you're going to see more of a push for earlier games where maybe teams don't will play a limited number of games at night um, and they'll play more games earlier so they can get that exposure. So that's probably what they're aiming for, some sort of in-between where you, uh, you, you, where you get both. Um, you can still get the, get the more, heavier money for the night games, but, but, uh, but not so much that you're, you're hurting yourself in the long run. I'm wondering what the hardcore Vegas people, the ones who have ties to UNLV, you know, the Tina Kunza Murphys of the world, uh, think of the Pac-12 coming into a town, uh, coming into Vegas, and establishing a presence because we know they're going to have the Pac-12 basketball, Pac-12 title football, uh, the bowl game is going to be involving Pac-12 teams, uh, maybe at the expense of overshadowing UNLV, I guess, to say. How was how that perceived in the Vegas area? Uh, I mean, you know, be frankly, has really dropped down. Uh, not not just because of the Pac-12, but the Raiders and the Golden Knights. Uh, and now, if you get another another pro sports team or two, it's going to be even more. I mean, you know, is I hate to, it's really sad to say, but it's it's, it's quickly becoming an afterthought. 
And and you know when you have a small team that's zero and six last season, a basketball team that hasn't made the NCAA tournament, and I want to say twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, something like that. You know they're they're just they're not doing anything on their end to to get attention. And if they were good, I I think you'd have much more interest. But that's just that's just the reality of UNLV right now. And you know the Pac twelve is here. You know this they don't they don't need UNLV. I know there are a lot of UNLV fans are. Are really hoping the Pac-12 will invite them one day. I don't really see why the Pac-12 needs to invite UNLV because our Pac-12 is already in the Las Vegas market, so they, they're they're here without having, needing the team to be here. Well, one day you can have uh, Ed Graney write a, a big series on this. On he knows how San Diego State got over, overshadowed by the Chargers and the Padres, and it sounds like it's the same thing that's happening to UNLV. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely, and that's a good point about Ed. You're right. He he went to San Diego State, so he he knows he knows uh, it's a very similar deal there. But the difference of San Diego State now, one thing they've got one less mark with the Chargers out of there, right. but also their basketball team has been so good, and so you know it's become a national power consistently, and so um, they they do get a lot of attention. And even the football team, you know, has, has been consistently good for a long time. So I, it's it's not quite apples to apples, but it, it's you know, but that's what you that's what you have. I mean, you probably in Salt Lake somewhere with the Jazz, right? It's that BYU and Utah has such strong bases that you know, they're they're always going to draw draw a lot of crowds. So we got a new coach in Vegas, and what they're going to play some games, if not all, in the new stadium. That's not going to generate any buzz. Yeah, all, all yeah, they're all games at the Allegiant Stadium, so. Um, they just they got to start winning. That's if they want to get any attention from fans or media, they got to start winning. I mean, it's, it's I say it's that simple. Obviously, it's not simple when you're talking about UNLV football, uh, but it's that's that's what they got to do. They got to start winning, and that's the only thing that's going to get people interested. Until that happens, if that ever happens, they're just going to they're just going to sort of be there. Yeah. The history of uh, college teams playing in NFL stadiums is not good. There's a couple. There's a couple success no. stories, but there's a lot of them that are are not good. Uh, and no. so now you've got one, and everyone's driven down the freeway and seen it. Uh, you've got one uh, domed professional stadium, and now we hear the talk from from the A's. Is is there the money and the interest in Vegas to build another dome stadium? Well, I'm I'm really skeptical on that. Um, there's still a lot of controversy about how much money the uh, public money the Raiders got to build Allegiant Stadium. People still aren't, even though most of it comes from from really pretty much all of it comes from tourism. People aren't crazy about that kind of money being put into a, a stadium. So there's really little appetite to do it again. And then you throw a pandemic on top of it. I, I just don't see. I don't know where the A's will get the money from. I really don't. And so if you notice, they restarted talks with the city of Oakland about two or three weeks ago. I think that's probably why is because they realize that they, their best situation still might be in the Bay Area as far as getting financial help. Um, but they are scheduled to come back down here, so we'll see. Uh, you know, Maybe they can be creative and work something out where uh, they can get something built. I just don't know how much public money, they're gonna, if any, they'll be able to get for it. Speaking of that pandemic, how much is Vegas back open? Oh, it's fully open. Um, they've now they've reinstituted some restrictions recently with the uh, surge. But uh, you have to have mask indoors, and now you have different properties. I think MGM 
recently announced that all new employees and uh, all management have to be vaccinated. So you're you're th- having things like that happen. But as far as people wanting to come here and visit, there's really very little change. So, uh, you know, poker and, you know, keep the poker face and all that. Are people playing poker yeah. masked up? I mean, what's going on? How does that work? I think, yeah, yeah, I think they have to. I mean, you know, when they made the mask optional, of course, that really meant that people weren't going to wear them. Um, but, yeah, now that you indoors, <laughs> you have to wear them. I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been inside a casino in quite some time. Um, so I, I don't know how strict they're being as far as enforcing that. It may depend on the casinos and all that. I mean, it's really hard to enforce. I mean, you've got thousands of people, and it's hard to go to enforce everyone that wears one. But uh, maybe they are, I, I, but I couldn't tell you. You gonna cover Arizona BYU? Uh, I don't. I don't think I'm covering. We'll probably. I'm sure we'll have someone there, but I don't. I don't believe I'll be there at night. How, how's the stadium look from the inside? Uh, sta- so, you know, it's it's interesting. It's got the interesting lighting. The the, the green grass just really just pops. Um, so it's 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 really nice. Uh, um, yeah, I I I've heard. I've you know I haven't been to. Other NFL stadiums very much, but I heard I guess Minnesota is probably like the and, and SoFi Stadium in LA are like the the gold standards, and I guess this is like just like a run below from from what I'm hearing. So, how many more early season college football games are getting scheduled into Las Vegas? Is uh, is Arizona and BYU the start of a trend, or is it going to be kind of a rare thing? No, they want to make that a, a pretty regular thing. You know, sort of a. a Make this uh, make this something they do probably annually. Get to uh, get two two name teams in here, and and uh, you know because I you know let's be honest with you, this game's going to draw more than your average UNLV game. So uh, I think I think uh, I think you're going to if, if they can make it work every year, I think they'll 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 do that. Even look at what they've done with basketball; they've had marquee basketball matchups in here uh, every uh, early season. Um, it's all obviously harder to do with football, but but that's that's what they want to do in both sports. They want to have top top programs in both sports here every year. Well, PK would love to see you at that uh, Arizona BYU game just to hear you say. So that's what this place looks like full. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you yeah. remember it, but I... <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, it was it was the Las Vegas Bowl. Yes. Yeah, but that's that's what it took to fill up Sandboy Stadium. It was uh, I don't remember which Las Vegas BYU think played in thirteen straight Las Vegas. Yeah, Bowl. I think it was the first one, and you said it in a quiet moment. And the thing there was a bunch of out of towners like me who laughed, and there was a bunch of Vegas people who kind of silently laughed. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember. Yeah. That was, you know, that was the game that saved the Las Vegas Bowl. Exactly. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, if you remember, Las Vegas Bowl was yeah. really, there was, in fact, I even written about it, it was, there were real questions about whether it was going to survive. And uh, BYU saved the Las Vegas Bowl. And, and uh, you know, I know Tina Kunzer-Murphy got a lot of credit and she probably deserved a lot, but, but if, uh, if BYU doesn't come in that year, right. I, I'm not sure the game's still being played. Yeah. I remember watching a Utah State Ball State Las Vegas Bowl. Ball State <laughs> brought twelve people. I think Utah State <laughs> brought about five thousand. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and tonight's attendance is five thousand and twenty-eight. <laughs> um, and I watched uh, San Diego State North Carolina, which was played in like sixty mile an hour winds. Both oh, punters yeah. had like zero yard punts. 
Uh, my dad was at the game and said that keeping the sand out of his hot chocolate was like the big, <laughs> the big challenge. He and my grandfather were there, and they said they were just holding on. Man, he said, "I just, I just need to make it back to the bus." Man, this is brutal. So uh, yeah. it was. It's definitely a different era for the Las Vegas Bowl. That's for sure. Oh, it is. I mean, now you got you got the uh, what the what the number three. Pac-12 team, I think, or number two? I don't I remember. I think it's three because I think they're trying to avoid bringing a team back that's been in the title game. Okay, yeah, and then against uh, either SEC or Big Ten each year. So yeah. that's, you know, that's, it's that's a different era. before this game's come. Yeah, it's a different era. Yeah. All right, well, Mark, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us and talking all things Las Vegas. It's, uh, it's like a home away for home from Utah sports fans. It really doesn't matter. BYU fans, yeah. Utah fans. I think uh, all Jazz fans agree we're happy you're keeping your grubby hands off the Jazz, though. That was a, that was a dark <laughs> era in the 80s, but that, that's gone now. Yeah, that's a, that was definitely on Salt Lake's team now. So, yep. yeah, I think I think I think we're getting the NBA team maybe sooner than later. Who knows? But uh, it won't be the Jazz. <laughs> yeah, there's Mark Anderson when we come back. What is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. Jameis will be out of the shotgun. Three receivers to his right. There's the snap. Straight back in the pocket. Lofting it up to left side. Looking for Galloway again. And I think he makes the catch. And I do believe that is a touchdown. Touchdown, Saints. First and 10. Ball is at the 14. Taysom is out of the shotgun. He's got Devontae Freeman to his left. There's the snap. Looking immediately left and looking for little Jordan Humphrey. Jump ball in the end zone. Touchdown, Saints. The Saints wrap up week two of the NFL preseason. They beat Jacksonville 23-21. Jameis Winston got the start. He was 9 of 10 for 123 yards, two scores in three drives. And then Taysom Hill came on and went 11 of 20 for 138 yards and one TD. You can read into this that Jameis is going to be the starter on opening day, PK. It's not a big, uh, not a big reach at this point. How is he not? Why wouldn't you start him? Yeah. It's overwhelming. Yeah, I don't think there's an argument for it. He's He was the starter in this game. He got to go out there with, if not the ones, however many guys they held out, at least the best players they were willing to play. And he did a better job. Scored more points more quickly. What so. would be the reason you wouldn't start Jameis Winston? The reason, I think the reason all along to not start Jameis Winston is you think he's going to turn the ball over too much. He can make big plays down the field. We know that. We know he threw the 30 touchdown passes for Tampa Bay. It's just kidding. Eliminate the 30 picks. Oh, yuck. He won. 101. <laughs> we have side bets on when you bring yourself up. I feel, I, a, mean, little, I feel you, a little guilty. I you, let him into it. You did. You asked me a direct question, and I answered it. And you're like, oh, you answered it. What? I don't know, but I, he went five minutes. I thought, wow, that's quick. But then I thought, oh, I'm going to let Yach have, have his day in the sun. So I purposely let you down. So, yeah, I'm sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you're this entertained by it. There's other stuff you can do to entertain yourself at my expense. You, know, you got to work up to it, man. You know, If you got like five or six best hits, you don't play them right off the bat. You know, you work up to them. 
Former UCLA quarterback Josh Rosen signed by the Atlanta Falcons to compete for their backup quarterback position. Falcons are his fifth NFL franchise since being selected number 10 overall in the 2018 draft. I'm surprised, man. I thought that, I, you know, you never know who's going to be a star, who's going to be a starter or whatnot, but I did not think he would immediately, just blow, virtually blow a week five, after he got drafted. Blow through five teams. Yeah, just bounce yeah. around and be a complete I'm, and total hanger on her. I'm with you. I, you know, if, he'd be, if he were on his second team, I wouldn't be surprised. If he were a backup, I wouldn't be surprised. I also wouldn't have been surprised if he turned out to be a starter. But instead, he's just pinging around the league at a stunning rate. Yeah, and I give him credit. Uh, you know, he came from a wealthy family. He grew up in Manhattan Beach. He went to school in Long Beach for football reasons. It's a long haul, especially, you know, with traffic down there. And he still wants to try, and he's just bouncing around. I mean, I, don't settle until you're done with every team, huh? Just wait until somebody gets injured, which seems like every year. We didn't hit uh, Trevor Lawrence before we left that uh, Saints-Jags game. How much faith you got in him? How much painful is this going to be? Fine. The more painful, the better. <laughs> that only means you're going through growing pains. I mean, very few guys take the world by storm, so don't don't even bother making an evaluation on Trevor Lawrence on, on preseason, let alone the first season. This is a team that won, what, one ball game last year? Yep. Maybe. So what do you expect? Cam Newton's got to be away from the Patriots facility for five days. Apparently a misunderstanding on how COVID tests are conducted away from NFL facilities. So he can be back Thursday. They play next weekend. So So I was reading stuff yesterday about all this. And there's people out there saying this is really going to screw with the NFL and college because they've got this testing. And they argue, why are you testing these people that have a 99% survival rate and forcing them to be out? And this is going to plague football at the two levels that we care about the most. I don't know. Yacht cares about high school. Good for him. But uh, maybe even high school, too. I don't know what they're doing at the high school level, but they think that this is something they shouldn't be doing. I don't know what the answer is. I'm just bringing it up. I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't. I don't know. I don't I don't really get into all that, but they're arguing, man, we're going down this road of these people who are asymptomatic, and you're going to keep them away and in the colleges, we already know that they said they're going to be forfeits. And so count as a, a literal loss, obviously. And so where are we going with this? Is this the right thing to do? I mean, that's one line of thinking. And certainly it can lead to postponed games and forfeited games and all of that. I don't think Cam tested positive. I think he either didn't take enough tests or didn't take them the right way or something. Okay, but Vrabel texted positive for Tennessee. Yeah. Well, I think they're just worried that... And Harson texted positive for or, or I think or. they're worried that if they don't test and they're easily available and it kills someone, the PR backlash, and the odds are against it happening. But if it does happen... The odds are overwhelming against I know, it happening. But they're worried about the PR backlash. And, and it didn't lawyers, happen last year. And I know. but And the lawyers <laughs> have told them, you could be on the hook for a lot of money. And in all what, what, stories... What, 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 $5 trillion? Dollars? I mean... What kind of money? I have, I what kind no of money idea. that the NFL couldn't write a check? How much money are they going to lose in a process? Yeah. If it's about the money, then you have to look at losing the money. I mean, we had all sorts of media people last year. This is the worst thing that the Big Ten has ever done when they decided they were going to play. How many people died? 
I mean, there's no way to track who they infected, so I don't think you can pin that on them. I and mean, someone could sit out there and argue that, well, so-and-so had it, and they gave it to so-and-so, and then so-and-so's brother died or whatever. But without the test or without the tracking, I don't see how you know that. So, Yeah, and as usual, people doing the criticizing are the ones who have jobs. That is how it works. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. When you take the field two weeks from now against BYU, what, what can Arizona fans expect to see out there from this team? A win against BYU first game, greatest stadium. Start the season off right, get the energy up, come back, got a nice game. BYU is going to be physical, right? I mean, that's their that's mm-hmm. their style. Are you looking forward to that? You think you're ready love, for that? I love toughness. I love physical people, and we're going to bring the energy. We're going to bring the pressure. They're going to feel us, especially on defense. That's bulletin board material. You're going to bring the pressure, and they're going to feel us. He's a linebacker. Okay, he's a linebacker. That's Anthony Pandy, Arizona linebacker right there. Tony Pandy? Tony Pandy, yeah, sure. Tony okay. Pandy. Tony. If he's from Jersey. Well. Is every Anthony in Jersey Tony? They're just automatic? No. Uh, Anthony Soprano, like they called him AJ. And, well, Tony, they called Tony. I had Uncle Tony. The Festival organization announced a multi-year partnership with Caesars Entertainment. Pairing one of the biggest postseason college football games with legal sports gambling in Arizona. It's the first partnership between a college bowl game and a sports betting company. Caesars will host fan lounges at the Fiesta Bowl in suburban Glendale and at the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, which is played at Chase Field in downtown Phoenix. Sports betting set to become legal in Arizona on September 9th. It's already been legal if you go to tribal lands, but... And two half-Italian women who are a little older rejoice. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I wonder who that could be. Well, one is a P. Kinahan, and I don't know what the other's name is. Patricia, right? Yeah, but that's not Patricia, Patrick, and Patrick. They have uh, married names. Also Associated Press named Devin Lloyd, preseason second team All-American. You get any pushback for yesterday when you said he was the best football player in the state? Because if so, there's your there's your backup for whoever went well, at well, you. Why would you get pushback against the truth? Because <laughs> you said it. And Cougar fans and might not like it. Well, who would they put? I'd put maybe James Empey would be... I mean, they, he doesn't play a, a sexy position, obviously. Right. Center, but I mean, he's very, very good. He's going to end up being, well, I don't know what he's going to do with the last year. You can never say because that's we, we got to get but past he, this a few years to say if he's a senior or whatnot. But he could end up in the NFL next spring. Oh, I think he will. Spring. He yeah, I, I think he yeah. will, yeah. I was right. going to say he's a senior, but then he's going to start all four years. They uh, list him on that All American team as a super senior. Yeah. So, in terms of at their specific position, I think Lloyd is number one. Two kids on there from uh, the state of Arizona, neither of whom, of course, went to either of the Pac-12 schools. Where'd they go? Uh, Oklahoma, Rattler. Rattler, yeah. And uh, Texas. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 
the 3-2 pitch coming to Shaw with nobody out. Here it is. Swing it a high drive to right field and win the game. Back it goes by the bullpen. And it is gone. A walk-off home run for Travis Shaw in his first game back with the Red Sox. Red Sox walk it off 8-4, their first walk-off home run of the season. Well, that was overkill. All they needed was a single, but hey, they got the grand slam. So they win in 11 innings. Red Sox 8-4 over the Rangers. Yankees also match them and win 5-1. A battle of teams with nine-game win streaks. Yankees get the win over the Braves 5-1 and snap Atlanta's streak at nine. You're asking me in April about the Yankees. Yeah, here they are. <laughs> Turned it on over the last two to three weeks. I kept telling you, relax. I'm like Aaron Rodgers. Relax. <laughs> Cubs 13-game. Home losing streak ends as they beat the Colorado Rockies 6-4, the final score. Light night in Major League Baseball, but there you go. Mariners with a a late rally to beat Oakland, but uh, the race in the AL West remains unchanged because Oakland and Texas both lose. Rangers losing that extra inning game to the Red Sox. When do we care about the Rangers losing? They're not in anybody's race. You're right. <laughs> Wrong Texas team. Oh uh, Astros. You mean Houston? Astros lost to the Royals 7-1. Arlington ain't a happy yeah. place. The right Rangers now. are only in a race with the Orioles, right? Probably not even them. The Bees were swept in a doubleheader. Reno 6-2 and 2-zip. Two teams play again tonight, 635. You can get your tickets at SOBs.com. Steve Clark, you have the call starting at 620. Scapegoat or this is going to make a dramatic change for the Padres? As they fall behind the Reds in the wild card race in the National League, they fire their pitching coach, Larry Rothschild. Well, coaches are always scapegoats. 100% the manager's decision, Jace Tinkler says. Wants to change the voice down the stretch. Better you than me. Ben Fritz will replace him as the interim pitching coach. Ben Fritz was in the Moneyball draft in 2002. No recollection of that. Benny Fritz? That's his tie. Yes. 40 years old? Yeah, Benny Fritz? Come on, you don't know who Benny Fritz is? New voice in the bullpen. Get those guys on track. And maybe get some of those guys off the disabled list. Benny Fritz? That would help too. Injured list. Jeez, my goodness. Aren't you politically incorrect? Of all people, expect me, not you. Yeah, nonetheless, there it was. was A Democrat, and he's calling it that? Jeez. DJ and PK. What do you think about broads? <laughs> the beautiful trophy's about to find a new home yeah. out in the Beehive State. <laughs> Tony Finau takes the Northern Trust. Tony, you just said you're speechless, but let's just break it down. It's been over five years, 143 starts, and you just answered the question. You've been asked so many times, when is it going to happen? What did it take, and how does it feel? Uh, it feels amazing. Um, it took just about everything I had. You know, I, We got to number 10, and uh, I knew I had to get to 20 under. That was that was my goal starting the day. And, um, so, you know, my caddy, Mark, says, hey, let's turn in the best nine we've had all week. And, and I was able to do it. I hit some clutch shots here on 18. This is a tough golf hole. Um, you know, and in regulation, I had, we had a 20-minute wait, which wasn't ideal. But, man, I just fought. And, uh, man, this is, this is pretty cool to be standing here again and, and winning a golf tournament. 
Tony Finau beats Cameron Smith on the first playoff hole to win the Northern Trust. He now sits atop the FedEx playoff standings. He's got his second career win. 20 under tied with Cameron Smith, and Cameron missed the tee shot and went OB there, and that was pretty much all she wrote. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, the literal extra hole, yeah, once Tony put it in the fairway and Smith dumped it, it was over at that point, yeah. I mean, F- I felt... Final round, 65. Uh, that's awesome, yeah, 65, awesome, uh, no, no question about that. Uh, it's tough to win golf tournaments, man, <laughs> really tough because... Uh, you're accountable for every single shot, and there's it's just the mental torture. I don't even know if torture, grind, probably is a better word, uh, to be able to do that. Uh, and obviously everyone around here is so excited for him, and representing the state. And Jim Nance, who worked here, gets a, anytime he gets an opportunity to bring up Utah, he does. He remembers his roots uh, about as well as anybody that bring it home to the Beehive State. And it's like we're, we're going to have a parade now. This is such a big deal in the world of golf and, you know, Rose Park and all those stories that we all know and seem like we can recite them by memory because we've heard them so much. And I mean, I don't know Finau at all, but I feel like I do. I've talked to his family, his father. His father has my cell phone. All right. Did he call you? <laughs> PK, turn on the TV. He got oh, it. I was watching it. Yeah. You tweeted. Uh, uh, yeah. And... Uh, it's awesome, and, and and it's just so obvious. The connection between Tony and myself is so strong. I mean, he clearly he when he was going to win, he was going to win in Jersey. <laughs> I mean, there's no question about it. New Jersey, you think it's an ac- accident, a coincidence? No. He started no. the two shots behind John Rom. Rom was shooting at 69, and he finished two in shot of and two in front of Rom. Rom dropped back to third, and he's kind of the gold standard right now. Yeah, That's 14 playoffs this year, also. So stat that's the third most tied for the third most I think yeah. in PGA Tour history. Point so your point somewhere. about how hard it is to win, you're accountable for every shot, one shot, one swing, one missed putt over four days, then you're not in the playoff. And what a grind! Yeah, and Tony was zero for three in playoffs. One in three. Uh, they said uh, he was zero for three. Did he win a some playoff in Puerto Rico? The Puerto Rico was a playoff uh, win. And then we, he know we had the thing in in was it February Los Angeles that was the playoff right? Genesis, he lost yeah. it on a par three. Uh, I think he put it in the sand, if I remember correctly. So you got to keep you just got to keep plugging away. And congratulations, man! And everyone here seems to be so happy for him. And that's a I think that's a testament to him that how beloved he is because he's made connections with people to where they're so excited for him. And in order to be excited for him to the level that, like, Kyle Whittingham was yesterday, it's obvious because he has a personal connection. And Tony must be one of these guys like Kalani that everybody feels like they're his friend. When Kalani wins football games, I I feel good for him. Because it's like I have a personal connection. But me and... Everybody else in their dog (laughs) has it, too. It's like I'm not any different than anybody else. That's why you said we should have a parade. The number of people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a testament to who the person is. If I ever won a golf tournament, I, my wife may say, hey, way to go. But that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't watching yesterday when this ended. Uh, you had invited me to go golfing yesterday, but I already set something up with somebody else and I couldn't go. And I really wanted to. And the smoke was out. And I just thought I got I, at least I'm going to go to the range. Right. It was too late for me to go play. So I'm at the range. 
And you know that the they're like I was at golf on the round. You know they have like a half dozen slots, and then there's a wall. And it was super busy, so I'm up against the wall. Is the only slot that's open, and a lot of the people on the range have the earbuds in, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And I don't. So, and some people are there with buddies, and so I, I can't see it happen. But I hear someone, and I'd seen just as I was walking in, I'd seen your tweet, so I knew. And so I um. I'm hitting, all of a sudden I hear a guy must taking his earbuds out and said something to his buddy. He goes, hey, hey, Tony Finau won. And then I kid you not, like a minute later I hear, hey, hey, Tony Finau won. <laughs> all the people who were there are telling, you know, whoever they came with, pull out your earbuds, Tony won. But it's your point, somehow all these people feel a tie. You could hear it in their voice. They're all happy he finally got it done. And he did it without shooting around in the 70s, in which Cameron Smith did the same thing and ended up losing. How awesome is that? Four rounds, all sub-70? In Jersey City. Now on to the BMW, baby. Once you get one, is it Phil Mickelson time? Now well, the pressure's off. This is two, not one. Okay, but full field event, different deal. I don't know. Five years, even if it's one in five years. Does it take some of the pressure off? Because certainly the expectations have been climbing with all his top tens and majors. And well, I think that's the next thing. Yeah. Now, you can win. I don't want to call it a random golf tournament. No. Because I don't because think any the, of them are random. But, but this is a pretty good field. You get to a playoff. You're going to have the, but a playoff or a World Golf Championship event is a really good field. But it still doesn't carry what majors do. No, and so that's that's yeah. the next thing, and the way I look at it, not another uh, Charlotte Open or whatever. Well, hopefully he knows somebody who has Maryland roots, because that's where they're headed now. Jersey got it done for him. Somehow you made the difference, one stroke. Right, and it's so beautiful. Jersey takes such abuse. Or some idiots say Jersey's a dump. Yeah, right. Didn't it look just spectacular? With the skyline right across the water. I was going to say the skyline right across the water. That was pretty incredible. Yeah. And they've played there several times over the years. What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. No job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. More on Tony Finau's win with Brian Taylor coming up at 9 o'clock from Real Golf Radio. And Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star at 8 o'clock. And we will talk with him about the opener with BYU coming up a week from Saturday. Get his thoughts on the Wildcats as they get ready to go. DJ and BK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. The top 60 and 60, they're getting right down to it. The very top of the list, top 10. Listen every day at 1:30. Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah. So we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's a top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness, right here on the Zone Sports Network. I told you it's Devin Lloyd. I don't need to go through five months. I already told you. (laughs)
All right, it is time to get to the question of the day. How excited were you to see this unfold in front of your eyes, PK? As I wrote it? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, you watch Tony win, you go up to the Utes, and Kyle claims Tony. We've got proof. Yeah. And then you're on social media, and you see the Cougars are claiming Kalani's pumped for him. Oh, yeah, there's a thing. Somebody put it out there of Kalani in the office with one of his uh, staff members. Jack DeMooney, yeah. Yeah. One of his staffers. And Kalani's obviously pumped up when Tony wins. And then Kyle, Kyle says this. We got it? Tony? Yeah. Oh, he's at our games all the time. He's a U. Yeah, he's a U. <laughs> Kyle's flashing the Ute deal. I never know, is it the thumbs or the index fingers? When I was a kid, we used to do a little thing. we fold the... Uh, a little eight and a half by eleven paper, and make it into like a triangle, and you try to kick field goals, and so you'd put the index fingers. So that's I don't know what fingers they use to do the Ute thing, but he starts flash because there's TV cameras there. Yesterday, he starts flashing it as if there's a direct Ute, like he's a Ute who played in a friggin' football program. Tony, oh, yeah. he's at our games all the time. He's a Ute. Yeah, he's a Ute. <laughs> Just claiming the fandom. So who is Tony? How excited was I? I, w- I mean, I was excited for him. I felt no personal excitement. Um, Kyle really did. As I say, I don't, I've don't. i spoken to him, but I don't think he has any clue who I am. Uh, so there's no, I don't have a connection to him. I've been around the family and his father on multiple occasions. Very nice man. Uh, they listen. He told me. Uh, but I don't, Tony doesn't. He wouldn't have any clue who I am. so I'm not um, sure that's true, but we'll go with it. I felt good for him. I mean, I would have felt good for Rom or Cam Smith, for that matter. But I have to admit, I felt a little bit more for Tony because he's been trying. But it's not like, geez, he's been just grinding through life, trying to catch a break here. He's, he's made a lot of money. <laughs> yes. All those top 10 finishes, like yeah. from the golf perspective, you're like, oh, that's not quite good enough. You've got to get to number one. Meanwhile, you look at the checks the yeah, PGA yeah, yeah. hands out, and you're like, top 10 ka Right, it's not winner all the take money. all here. And, and that's just the tip, because tip of the iceberg here, because off, off the course, there's endorsement money all over the place if you're top 10, top 20. But nevertheless, he's a good story, and... Uh, it, there's something to be said, especially for, I don't know if it's uh, Polynesian people or minorities or whomever, to see somebody different, different looking, so to speak. And now I think most golfers know who he is. Uh, the casual, I guess maybe now he's more known for more than just popping in your kneecap or ankle, whatever it was, in the Masters Part 3 thing a few years back. I mean, he's a wildly talented golfer. That's that's the reality of it. So it's good to see that and keep persevering. And and it's great to see coming from nothing because a lot of these golfers, they grow up in affluence. And let's call it like it is. And so they're able to be in country clubs. My, 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 we started a high school golf team because I, I said when my high school started, we were uh, the first class to go to the campus all four years. And it had only been open, I think, uh, I think we were the first year it was open, too. And so they had juniors, right? So right off the bat, they started a golf team. And my, team, my school starts winning state championships left and right. Why? Because Moon Valley Country Club 
is literally right in the boundaries. So all the kids on the team who got to play, they grew up there. That That's where they've had LPGA tournaments there. Uh, Hot Rod Huntley lived there. Uh, Amaka Pani, who went on the LPGA tour, mm-hmm. she was on the boys' team because they were there. Well, yeah. And I, and I had the golf coach was uh, the reading instructor, right? And so I take him as a sophomore when they're starting the golf team, and I'm talking to him, and he has uh, tickets in December to go see an exhibition by Lee Trevino. He had two tickets. So he, I talked to him, and then it was uh, he, he said, you want to go? And so I took my father, and I went. And it was fun. He was at Phoenix Stadium, uh, where they the Giants just have Triple A. ASU uses it now, and he's at home plate, and he was lobbing chips. And oh, I'm going to hit second base. Boom! He pops it right on the base, you know. And so a month late or two months later, golf season starts, and it, I don't show up the first day. Uh, why didn't why Patrick? Why weren't you there? I said, sir, I've got no chance to make this team. <laughs> Plus, it was during baseball season. So the point being that all the kids, they were immediately a, a stake and tenor because they just went from the country club on the golf team. And Tony didn't have that. So that's that's a success story. We all love the underdog story. Now, 6'4", with a build as, le- as athletic <laughs> as him. You know. And a swing that looks like yeah. butter. Right, gold. <laughs> You know, so, but nevertheless, it's it's awesome. But I'm fascinated. Is Tony a Ute or is he a Cougar? Who is he? Tony, and this is also controversial, is a jazz guy. Everybody claims him. He turned pro straight out of high, straight out of high school, so he's got no tie to any school. Well, he turned, Sometimes golfers like go for a year or two and then go pro. He only turned jazz fan when Ryan Smith brought him. I was right. say, yeah, <laughs> I know. He was, he was yeah. a that was fan. controversial too because he, he was a Laker fan. Do the announcement for him on social media. Yeah, and and he's buddies with Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith was tweeting about it yesterday, too, because he's obviously watching it, because he has a personal connection with the phenomena. But that is, you got you to gotta decide what's going on here. Either you're a Ute or you're a Cougar. If you're from here, you got to be a Ute or you got to be a Cougar. <laughs> you can't get both. The Whittingham clan were hardcore Cougars, but now every one of them despises the blue. Tony hates the blue. Tony's above it all. No, he he's can't not, be. He's not buying the hype. He's got to. You got to make a decision. <laughs> I, I want to be there when you tell him this. Well, I can't have both schools claiming you. Listen, what did Kyle say, Yaccarino? Tony? Yeah. Oh, he's at our games all the time. He's a you. Yeah, he's a you. <laughs> it's like there's no discussion. And if you ever get in with thick skulled Whittingham, you're going to be there forever. If he's got something that he says like that emphatically, then you could have an argument with him and you'll just go round in circles, which I actually love, for hours on end. And he'll never give in. <laughs> What is he, Yaccarino? Tony? Yeah. Oh, he's at our games all the time. He's a you. Yeah, he's a you. <laughs> <laughs> then why is Kalani Sataki celebrating wildly? Chris says neither. He's a West High Panther. That's his high school for sure, so that's a, not something you can dispute. West High. West High fans rallying around each other. Great. Tanner says he's a Coug. Jack says he's a Uger. 
Oh, a combo? Yeah. Got it. Your famous combination that you made up. Start slapping letters together and see what sounds right. What promo I should bring back around? I don't remember it. Is one day he was talking about like people who have made the transition, like in case the Whittingham family gone from BYU yeah. to Utah, and Jeff he Judkins. coined the term Uger, and it became a promo that I will be well, on purpose. You said that. That's it on purpose. I think it was accidentally, but you PK was loving it because it was a perfect like metaphor for what we. No, were you can't about. have that. You can have some roots either way, but you got to make a de- declaration. Well, next time I talk to Tony Fina, I will be the first, so I will ask him. What are you? How can both entities claim him? Is Whittingham wrong again? It's kind of this is this is just how golf rolls, though. They're all over the map. I mean, all the golfers on tour, they've got their hometown, they've got where they live, they've got where they went to school. Well, Jupiter, Florida. One of the three. <laughs> or Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> not not like West Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah, it's got to be Jupiter. Mike, Mike Jupiter. Weir's unusual. He's down to two. Yeah. You know, Canada definitely claims him, but because he's living in Draper and went to BYU... It's just Utah, and it's Canada. Okay, but Utah, the state of Utah, we get that, but we're getting far more specific. We're getting down to the fine print here. <laughs> How we are getting down to the fine print. This is unique to our state. You can only be one. Can't be both in the same media market. That's what makes this rivalry so awesome, is they're in the same media market. We're, we're neighbors. There's not a great gap between Michigan and Ohio State and those types of things. It's right there, you know, much like the two Los Angeles schools. Very few places in which you have a rivalry, uh, metaphorically speaking, next door. And we do here. I mean, even Phoenix and Tucson is still, right. I mean, it's gotten closer as Phoenix has expanded. Uh, and Tucson but they're still separate media markets. But they totally are. Yeah, yeah they Got absolutely their own are. Yeah, right. Everything. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. They don't share any of that. So do we need to throw this out and say, weigh in? Like, have people send in their stories about if Tony's a uter or a cougar? Yeah, I, I need evidence. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So I think do this, it. <clears throat> I haven't done, <clears throat> excuse me. I haven't done this in a while, but I think we need a poll question. Poll question, but you also use the app. Send in your open mic features. If you have proof, that's there. exactly what I'm looking for. A body of evidence. By 10 o'clock today, I want a decisive decision. Somebody out there might have a picture in their phone of Tony wearing gear from one team or the other. But I thought he was a Ute. Tony? Oh, he's at our games all the time. He's a Ute. (laughs) I asked him the question. He's like, dismissing. Why'd you even ask the question, you imbecile? I felt so small. Yeah, but he likes to do that to you. One of the reasons I hate him. <laughs> Just because you go to all the games, I go to all the games. Does that make me a Ute? No, they reject you. They don't want any part of you. It's hard to believe you're allowed in. Good, because I wouldn't take them if they were the last team on the planet. I hate them. You're a devil. I know. And you're loving this. Where's the drop, Yak? Why do I have to do all the heavy lifting? Come on! What? Oh, he can oh, find a drop oh, when it's time when. to make fun of me. Sure. Not making fun of you. We're enhancing the show. <gasps> well, I just enhanced the show without yuck. Oh, that's going way back. No. 
If they if the Utes lose to the Devils, I know you're a Sun Devil and you're enjoying this. But. I felt so bad. Uh, no, no, and that was in a post game in which the the Utes uh, the Devils rolled them. If the Devils got a win, then I would like it to be like that one year, where it's like one point in overtime, but not like thirty eight to seven. Makes me feel bad. All right, poll questions up. Is Tony Finau a Ute or a Cougar? Kyle Whittingham claimed Tony is a Ute, but Kalani was celebrating the win. So Tony's a Ute or Finau's a Cougar? Which is it? The thing about Whittingham is he said it so dismissively, like, of course. Right. How dare you even ask the question? Show no weakness, number one. Two, always go at Kinahan in a press conference whenever you have a chance to have a little fun. Three, all of the above. Go for it. I just got on social media yesterday and found it so entertaining. After uh, talking to Kyle, I went to the practice yesterday, and so that was about 5.30-ish. And so Tony had been the winner for, what, 45 minutes or so maybe at that point. I also felt, well, actually I felt great because Kyle said he was going to tape it, and I, and I gave him the answer. So I'm glad I ruined his evening that way. That felt good. <laughs> There's no way he wouldn't have found out. It's impossible. Come on. You you would have to just put yourself in a in a room quarantined with nothing there to not find <laughs> out, right? It's locked locked in some room downstairs. There's no way. There's just in today's world four walls, no yeah. windows. Yeah. He would have had gone to and he didn't come in and say, Don't tell me. We're going, and I know he knows Tony because I've talked to him about Tony, and that's why I asked him a question because I knew full well he expects or he says that Tony is a Ute because I've had this conversation with him, so I knew what the answer was going to be, and I only asked him for radio purposes so we could have fun. Here they come. Jason says Tony is a fan of Utah sports more than BYU, but he would have gone to BYU over Utah for golf because the Ute golf program sucked back then. I don't remember the state of the Utah golf program back then, so I'll take him at his word. So it's good now? Because if it sucked back then, obviously that implies that 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 it's much better now. Is that true? Was he going to go to BYU if he didn't turn pro? I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know that he would have stayed in state. There is uh, very, what would you call, r- strong rumors that he was committed to BYU golf. Oh, before he would have stayed in state. Strong rumors. You got to have cash to go play golf out of state because they don't give full scholarships. Instead, he went straight out and turned pro. Yeah, he did the Joe Ingles thing. Yeah. Where a lot of his buddies went to college. Joe, at 17, as he's told us, decided that he wasn't going to do that, and he was going to turn professional, played in Australia, and then went overseas, and then obviously made his way over here. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More golf with Brian Taylor coming up at 9 o'clock. Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star, talking about the BYU-Arizona opener in about 15 minutes. Next, though, what PK picked up talking with the Utes yesterday. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I know that there's a lot of different rumblings and there's been a lot of different news about starting quarterbacks, but if you were listening to Scotty and I all through camp, there is no breaking news. It's just the same old news that we've been talking about. We all knew it was going to be Charlie Brewer. And you may have heard people say, oh, it's closer than you think. And Cam Rising put a heck of a battle up there, but it was always going to be Charlie Brewer. I always talked about, you know, Cam Rising is, he won a quarterback job there once, but you saw the quarterback he won the job over. Yeah. Charlie Brewer is much better. There was a nice battle, but at no point, and this should be more reassuring to Utah fans than anything, at no point did Cam Rising actually take that job back from Charlie Brewer. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Get ready for the upcoming jazz season at the Jazz Team Store. End of summer sale is August 26th through the 28th at Vivint Arena. Get great deals on the latest jazz gear. Sweet. I got jazz gear on myself right now. You actually do. You got that hoodie on. Got the peaks. Got the swoosh. Go on with the purple. All right, anything else you pick up from uh, Kyle, aside from uh, you got the Tony Finau and him flashing the U, and uh, show no weakness and admit nothing depth chart for the starting quarterback on Monday? Uh, offensive line, i got to see who's available. But, I mean, they've got time. Time's running out, but they still got time. And, you know, you really should be able to beat Weber State with who's ever there. But this big debate, who had the breaking news? <laughs> You attributed to the watchdog. That's where I saw it yesterday. So that must mean that's where it was. Where did you see it first? They've been saying it for months. I just heard the promo. And then uh, what, the Ute Zone? They had it. Man, the battle. Who had it? <laughs> so, But you declared the winner. We didn't even need to I go saw. to court. Well, oh man, to the court anyway. <laughs> who who had this? The fight is on for months over here. The internet site, this internet site. Oh my gosh! And it was confirmed by this group and this and that. I I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> No clue at all. I still don't know. (laughs) I'll find out on Thursday. Can't wait for that. I hope he lists either or. (laughs) Seemed to indicate Saturday he wasn't going to, but I hope he changes his mind and just does that. Oh, just the yank chains? I love that. At this point, why not? (laughs) That would be absolutely awesome. That would be really entertaining. Uh, I may let him know. Hey, just do that. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) What would really take the cake, if this would be Kyle at his best, is like, because then everyone's going to wait. Well, he's going to have to start someone, right? And he runs Jaquin and Jackson out there and runs the Wildcat on the first series. Oh. <laughs> I was talking with Jeff Call yesterday, and he was laughing. He covers the Utes for the Deseret News, and he says, oh, man, this this reminds me. You remember when? And I, what? And he said, the, the Ben Olsen, Brett Ingeman thing. And I said, oh, yeah, I'd forgot, forgotten about that. But that dude who was on with Barry King called us that morning when he was on the show with us after when we were still doing it in the conference mm-hmm. hall room yeah. upstairs over at Simmons. 
and uh, the original 1280. And it's like, what was it, Friday? And he's going to start, and they they had a buy. He's going to start Ben Olsen next week. He's going to start Ben Olsen next week. And I said, this is Gary Croton you're dealing with. So this is Friday. They don't play for another week. Uh, he could change his mind. You got <laughs> your show at 10 o'clock. Have at it, big guy, because <laughs> I ain't saying it. You're not coming on our show, my show, and saying it because it's going to get attached to me. And then Monday, everybody's down there. Oh, we're going to start Brett Ingerman. <laughs> I didn't even remember that it was Ingerman. Jeff had to tell me that Ingerman was the guy. I, I, couldn't, I didn't remember. I didn't remember either. Yeah. It's funny. I was thinking of that yesterday. Oh, It uh, just randomly came into my mind. You with you. Why don't you go with that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you remember that? I do yeah. remember that. I didn't remember Ingeman either. Yeah. But I remembered you <laughs> telling him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah just we're not we're not going with it. We're not I'm not, I'm not going with it on my show because I didn't trust the guy to change his mind. And I don't know if he changed his mind. I don't even remember the details, but all I know that it wasn't Ben Olsen and Ben Olsen never played one down for the Cougars. Uh, before he went on a mission and then went over to UC Los Angeles. All right, when we come back, Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. BYU getting ready for the opener a week from Saturday. What to expect from the Wildcats? We'll talk with Greg next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Greg, good morning. Hey, what are you guys doing up so early? <laughs> Getting paid. Well, not as early as you. You're an hour behind us. so the great thing about you visiting you've been on the show many times is that for the first time in a long time i don't think pk is going to ask you when arizona is going to switch basketball coaches yeah they uh they hit a home run in terms of uh attitude and perception and and hard work and uh everything they're ready to roll now this guy tommy lloyd is a recruiter extraordinaire uh and using Arizona's platform, he, he's got a shot to uh, really take it to the highest level. Yeah, I've been around Tommy many times, and I know people who've been around him, haven't covered college basketball for a long time, and everybody's excited for him uh, to see what he can do. Obviously, he was Mark Few's right-hand man at a very extremely highly successful program. And so, yeah, it looks like it's a good hire. Well, I thought Sean Miller was a good hire, too, and maybe got away from him a little bit. But yeah, uh, I thought it was a good hire. So I guess the question is, is everyone just looking ahead to basketball season and they're just going to ignore the football team while it rebuilds? Or is there a little bit of uh, interest and energy around the football team and there'll be a lot of Wildcat fans in Las Vegas for the opener with BYU? Yeah. This Jed Fish guy is it's kind of like a Seinfeld episode where he does the opposite because what he normally did didn't work, so he did the opposite and he Suddenly, was dating beautiful women. <laughs> Jed Fish is totally the opposite of their last two coaches, Rich Rod and Kevin Sumlin. He is nothing but a bolt of energy and all positivity. And I mean, they had a, a, a their, their final training camp scrimmage Saturday night, and he had a DJ and music and everything like that. And they had eight thousand students showed up, and it was all because Jed Fish doesn't stop 
trying to recruit people and stir up interest. And it's they haven't had something like that in U of A football for decades. He's obviously they don't have the talent yet, but much much better than they were the last three years. And I mean, I, I think they're going to be okay. All right. Well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, doing my research on the program was down at Pac-12 Media Day. We broadcast down there, yeah. so I uh, did a whole bunch of stuff on each of the teams. You know, they got the three quarterbacks. Uh, Plummer was there last year, and then Jordan McLeod, a transfer, Gunnar Cruz, a transfer, and I don't know what's going to happen, but it looks like, just looking at stuff, that Cruz is going to be the starter. If that's the case, what do you think of that? You know, he, he's not going to take you anywhere yet. Um, he, he was back up in Washington State as a true freshman last year, but He's almost surely won the training camp competition. Um, and today they're going to announce the starting quarterback, and it's it's him. And uh, he was a you know he was almost a four star recruit out of Phoenix, and Mike Leach took him to Washington State, and he's got an upside. And so that's a future. The kid from South Florida had really good stats at South Florida, but he got here late. He didn't transfer until. I think July, so he hasn't been able to catch up. And you know they've they've got to play close or beat BYU in the opener to to have a shot at winning like four or five games, I think. And the rest of their team is isn't isn't that bad. It's nowhere near as bad as it's been. And they're energized. They have an energy that um, they haven't had. You know, Kevin Selman just mailed it in. Didn't even know what city he was living in. And uh, <laughs> Rich Rod was just too old-fashioned, didn't change, and you know he went down with the ship. And now suddenly they've got a new commander, and yeah, he surrounded himself with a coaching staff. I mean, I've been following the Pac-10 since it started in 1978. Arizona's got a coaching staff that ranks with anybody in those 50 years almost. Um, he hired Pete Carroll's son away from the Seahawks. And for him to come to Arizona, he could have jumped off anywhere in his attempt to become a college head coach. But he believed in fish, apparently. And he's their offensive coordinator, and he is a personality and an energizer bunny. And their defensive coordinator hired away from Michigan, Don Brown. And, and he's a – you could do a TV uh, series sitcom on him. He's just nothing but, but uh, voltage. And it was just a total change. So if you've got a quarterback who is the guy, but you can't win with him yet, how much does he get turned loose in the opener against BYU? What does the game plan look like? What do they do with him? Boy, that's the question. That's a real good question. Um, I'm thinking Arizona's hoping BYU approaches it the same way with their new quarterback. Um, Arizona's got a, got a useful offensive line. That's probably the, the strongest area of their team. So, you know, they're playing under center a lot. Um, they're not a shotgun uh, passing circus. They think they can overpower you sometimes. And I think that's what they'll do. They have two capable running backs, and they have about five. Everybody else has five good receivers, too, but Arizona has four or five good ones. So I, I think they'll be tough. I think they'll hang with BYU um, all the way. Interesting. I know that uh, speaking to the offensive coaches at BYU, that you already brought this up with Brown coming over. 
uh, and one of their guys was telling me that they viewed Don Brown as one of the best defensive coordinators in college football for a real long time. Uh, and they believe that from from the BYU perspective, if they're not ready to go, they're going to have some trouble because they just believe in Brown that much. Defensively, you know, a lot of guys that for the Cats, they had uh, I think they had like sixteen guys transfer out, nine guys transfer in. So you got a lot of new bodies. Mm-hmm. But defensively, how good do you think they can be? Uh, they've got size now on the defensive line, which they haven't had for almost ten years. Um, their linebacking crew is—they're like all—they were like first team all MAC conference at like Bowling Green, Western Michigan, and Ball State. So that's an improvement on what they have. They've got two really good cornerbacks, probably who could play for almost anybody in the league. And um, at Don Brown, when when he has a press session, a Q and A session, it's like. He makes you want to suit up and go out there and play. He's just something a school, a mid-level school like Arizona needs to have. A guy who can make a difference with his energy until he can recruit better. And maybe it's easy to say that on August 24th or something, but they're so much different than they have been in the last three or four years. They'll at least try hard. So I don't know how much they let you see, and they don't do much tackling anymore uh, because they're trying to keep everybody healthy. But the one defining memory I have of Arizona football is no matter how good the athletes are, no matter how big or fast or whatever their stars, they they missed tackles. And they, they missed tackles in space. They had guys running through arm tackles. Do you have any indication of how much that has changed? Well... Fish was totally transparent in the month of training camp. You could go to every practice, talk to anybody you wanted, talk to any assistant you wanted. And um, so the players talk in terms of, well, Don Brown himself said, I heard him several times, you know, we're, we're a blitz team, we're a run and hit team, and if, but if you can't take a tackle, you can't play. So he must, he obviously saw that in the film in the first you know, 10 minutes that he watched films of their previous teams. So maybe they have tougher guys now, or at least a tougher mindset. They've got a a pass rusher and a defensive end named Jalen Harris, who's going to be an NFL player. They haven't had an NFL defensive player who's big and strong and can make a difference for Teddy Bruschi almost. Anthony Bandy at linebacker, one of the better linebackers uh, in the conference, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and he's an old guy too. I think this is his sixth year, and he's a, he's big and sturdy. And he was one of the few guys they had in the last two years who could hold his own. So if he if he steps forward and as a leader, you know that they're not going to go two and ten or three and nine. And I know there's not much difference between four and seven or five. I mean, four and eight and five or seven, but. This is a three and nine team unless they have a lot of injuries. So when you were talking about uh, Arizona's quarterback and, and the play call in the opener, you said, you know, what will BYU do with their guy? I think that they're going to be pretty aggressive. Um, and we've yeah. played some stuff this morning with the offensive coordinator at his availability Saturday. Aaron Roderick was going through the receivers he really liked. And they got BYU game two, or BYU has Utah at home game two. So they have really got to hit the ground running with these 
games right out of the out of the gate here. So is Arizona's secondary, is there enough depth in Arizona's secondary to handle three or four wide receivers coming at them play after play after play? Uh, as I mentioned, their two cornerbacks are solid, can play anywhere. Um, I guess a lot of it depends on what pressure they can get on the quarterback. That remains to be seen, obviously. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I haven't seen the betting line on the game, but I'm not sure BYU's favored by three or four, but I think it'd be more like a toss-up. Arizona probably have 20,000 fans there. I'm thinking BYU will have 25,000. So it should be a good setting. Um, maybe BYU will be looking ahead to Utah. When you look at the Cats' situation, I don't know that it couldn't have been any worse how much of that, uh, this optimism, is simply because of that, that it couldn't have gone any worse and pretty much anybody yeah. who they brought in was going to be a breath of fresh air compared to what they had? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. The first thing Fish did, the first day he was fired, because it was a very unpopular hire, because he was he's a talker. He, he could have his own talk show. He could be on late-night uh, radio or TV. And, you know, he'd worked, he dropped all the names, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, all the guys he'd worked for. And so he'd been a finalist for about every job every year. And when Arizona fired him, it just seemed like they were reaching. But then his first day on the job, he hired the two greatest football players in Arizona history, uh, Chuck Cecil and Ricky Hunley, to be full-time defensive assistant coaches. And they are nothing but energy guys and high-profile guys, and um, that got the community behind him almost instantly. And then he, he stepped it up even from there by not making himself the center of the show and making it about his assistant coaches and their ability to recruit. You know, they have he hired assistant coaches who have 64 years of NFL coaching experience. Um, Hundley and Cecil both had about 12 each. Uh, Cecil was the defensive coordinator, to the Tennessee Titans, and Kevin Summer wouldn't touch him. He was afraid of him. Well, Fish isn't afraid of those two guys, so it's just a total, total shift. And maybe I'm getting way too caught up in it, but it just seems promising. Greg Hansen joining us, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. So, the uh, bringing in these older guys, the NFL guys, it, it sounds a little bit like the Arizona State story. Yeah, you're right. Um, and Herm Edwards is kind of just, you know, he's not active in the trenches. And Fish, although Fish is going to call the plays, um, that's probably the difference. Herm Edwards doesn't call the plays. Uh, and Herm Edwards, I, I think the world of Herm Edwards uh, but apparently now, you know, they, they've got, they're probably all going to get dismissed at year's end, and this is a one-year one shot for ASU. And I don't know, that's maybe the only comparison you can make. Edwards is his, in his late 60s and was a big-time player himself in the NFL. Fish uh, is in his mid-40s. He was a tennis player, never played it down in football in his life. Well, that's certainly a different parallel, but uh, after 70-7, to seven, I guess those guys can uh, trash talk and get ready for the game. Yeah, no kidding. Count, count it down to that there. one. There's a big billboard between Phoenix and Tucson on, on I-10 that says, 
Pity the Kitty, and in huge letters, 70 to 7, and that's still there. It's been up for about eight months, and that's a driving. I think that's on all their bulletin boards and everything, so that's going to be motivation. Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. Greg, thanks for checking in with us again. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Good luck. All right. The opener a week from Saturday, BYU's an 11-point favorite in the game. Of course, Fish is a talker. He's a North Jersey dude. Livingston, Jersey, baby. (laughs) Went to the same high school as my sister. (laughs) I know these guys. I'm one of them. (laughs) We can talk. It's what we do. (laughs) So can he pull in enough transfers right away, or is it the rebuild that everybody thinks it is? Or does everyone think that because they're not looking that close at it because it's not that sexy a story and quietly behind the scenes with different rules than existed a decade ago, even five years ago, everything's changed. I think Arizona can have its day, and you got to give the man time. I mean, it's uh, I don't care who you are. You've, he inherited it, just a program that has literally been in, in its worst stage ever. I mean, that, that's saying something, right? It's like when Bronco took it over. Now, they were so – I'm not as close to the situation in Arizona as I was with the U of A, I mean, um, with BYU – there was talent. BYU had talent. They weren't as bad as their record indicated. They needed somebody to pull it all together. Bronco did that magnificently and went from 6-6 six and six to winning double-digit games the next three years, four years in a row. One of the greatest coaching jobs ever. Bronco, because people viewed him as weird and stilted and all, I don't think he gets near the credit that he deserves for what he did. It was an absolute phenomenal job. I couldn't have more respect for Bronco. I know some people got worked up about him because he was a little awkward, but as a football coach, I graded him out as A+. He pulled it all together, and he virtually did it overnight, if you look at one season. They go from where he did, where they were, to where they were the second season and what they did subsequently. Incredible. I don't know that Arizona has that talent that has been doormat. You see what I'm saying? So I can't answer that. I look at it on paper, and I sort of agree with what Greg Hansen says. Not completely. And he he acknowledges it. Am I getting caught up in it? Right. Sometimes I get caught up in stuff. We all do. We all do. Um, But uh, he also said, you know, if stuff they had to do, if they're going to win four or five games. Right, their, their which would be a major accomplishment. It would be. Their non-conference schedule isn't that tough. BYU's, BYU, San Diego State, Northern Arizona. So mm. they could they could go one and two. Is what I mean, I'm thinking. Well, that like you said, if they're going to get to four or five wins, well, they got to go at least minimum one and two. Right. Uh, it's a question of what what can they do? Can they pick off two or three wins in conference? If they do that, if they got to two or three wins in conference. That especially if they got the three, if they go three and six, and and the other games are not seventy to seven, that gives them some momentum. This guy's a talker, right? Jersey guys, North Jersey guys, the suburb. It's twenty minutes from New York City. What's the losing? They're talkers. Is it twelve? Yeah, twelve games. Yeah, right. They lost so, seven and then went on no, five, five last year. Right. And so if he can get to that, that gives him some serious momentum. I believe Arizona football will have its day under Jed Fish. The question is two things. Does he stay <laughs> and 
Can they sustain it? Because everybody has their day. If you built like BYU, they had their day last year. They would have had a good season with or without the schedule changing because they had built up to it. All right, good. You had a good season. Good for you. The Devils have done it plenty of times. It's about having a program, not a good season. That's my question. Can Arizona football have a program? Not a good season. Rich Rod had a good season. Someone was hardly there, so he was out the door in three years, so whatever. And he didn't even know what city he was leaving. I think he, he thought he was in Sierra Vista. Uh, he, he, was, didn't know. he was even in Tucson. He took over yeah. a 7 and 16. Yeah. He won five games. He won four games. He won no games. He left. Yeah. It was just straight So it was down. awful. There was right? no anything. They, Fish can get it going. And they, I think they can be competitive against BYU. Because right now, they don't know if they're crappy. <laughs> right? Well, you get to like the middle of October and you're one in five and you've been getting hammered. Well, then you're, what, you're, you're, your whole brain and everything about you is telling you we suck. So that's another story. That's the thing about when BYU gets these teams, they're not in that point yet. They're not beaten down. They still have a lot of enthusiasm. So I suspect Arizona is going to be competitive. I, I believe BYU will win, but I think they'll be competitive. And going forward, they'll be better than they were last year for simply the reason they couldn't be worse. But if BYU gets a score and then BYU gets a turnover, does Arizona's defense run out on the field thinking, here we go again? That's... That's where it can all get away, and it can be competitive right up until the moment a couple things go against them, and then they could just it could just be a house of cards and fall apart in a second. Because the, the players I don't expect that the players have been I don't expect who Navy have been there have been beaten down. Yeah, yeah well, Navy's Navy is from the fired up. It's I know, this, and he's got a lot of transfers who don't who aren't going to be wearing all that. Baggage, baggage, yeah, yeah. that negative history. Yeah. That's not a part of their deal. Their transfer is for somewhere else. They didn't live it. And they had eight thousand people, students, and he addressed the crowd, the students, and he told them, "We need to be as loud as bleep." He <laughs> swore. He swore. Well, it's Arizona. They got no standards. You told us that for years. Well, he's a Jersey guy. He's from Jersey guy. He's got a filthy mouth. So it's actually everything you've ever told us about this. It's a it's a match made in. Uh, well, it's a match made in Tucson. He's, uh, I wonder if he has any connection to the Bonanno family, because as you know, they're a big crime family, and they moved to Tucson from the New York area. I did not know that. <laughs> you can look that up. Okay. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More on Tony Finau's uh, big win coming up in about 35 minutes. Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, will be here in a little more than half an hour, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I know that there's a lot of different rumblings and there's been a lot of different news about starting quarterbacks, but if you were listening to Scotty and I all through camp, there is no breaking news. It's just the same old news that we've been talking about. We all knew it was going to be Charlie Brewer. And you may have heard people say, oh, it's closer than you think. And Cam Rising put a heck of a battle up there, but it was always going to be Charlie Brewer. I always talked about, you know, Cam Rising is, he won a quarterback job there once, but you saw the quarterback, he won the job over. Yeah. Charlie Brewer is much better. There was a nice battle, but at no point, and this should be more reassuring to Utah fans than anything, at no point did Cam Rising actually take that job back from Charlie Brewer. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 
DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the day, based on Monday night's game, doesn't it look like Jameis Winston is the Saints starter over Taysom Hill? Yes, it does. A, he started. B, he got two touchdowns and three possessions. They took him out. That kind of had a whiff of, yeah, he is who he thought he is. Let's not get him hurt. So that was the impression I came away with, that, yeah, they're leaning towards him, and he just went out there and gave them what they wanted to see in three possessions, confirmed it, and they got him out. Well, that's all starters do in preseason, if they even do that. Right. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, yeah. that's the way it's gone. So the very appearance would of the, of the playing time would dictate that Sean Payton is leaning with uh, – or, or is going to go with Winston. I, I, I've got to admit, you know, I had my doubts about Taysom Hill being a starting quarterback. Taysom Hill being an NFL athlete, I have zero doubts. He's an incredible athlete. We know that. But incredible athletes don't necessarily mean great quarterbacks. And you need that. Um, driving in this morning, I got the satellite, so I'm flicking around because I knew they'd be talking about that because NFL drives talk radio sports-wise on the national level so much. So it was like... Uh, you know, trying to pick my uh, favorite candy to eat on coming home with a sheet bed sheet full of candy on Halloween. You know, I'm, I'm flicking around from station to station because they're all talking about it. And one of the guys was saying that Sean Payton ego is involved in this, and he's reluctant to name Winston because it's like secretly he's pulling for Hill so he could look like the genius because Hill was undrafted. Hill was cut by the Packers. Look what I did. I found this guy off the waiver wire, and look what I developed. So look at me. No idea if it's true or not, but I'm just saying that's what they were talking about. And so he hasn't, Peyton hasn't come out and said, this is our guy because he wants to ego is involved and give Hill the chance. But if you just look at it objectively with no uh, alliances either way, clearly Winston played better. It's obvious. Now, you can also say, well, it's the Jaguars who suck, so whoop de doo But at the same time, you got to go with your best guy, whoever it is. And it's not just this preseason game. They do all these joint practices, and they chart and film everything, and... At some point, they'll let their ones versus go versus their offensive starters versus the defense starters, ones versus ones. So I assume it's all of that that's led to Winston. But I think it, uh, and, and I get the ego argument, but I think it's there either way. I mean, Jameis Winston didn't work somewhere else, but you brought him in and you uh, fixed what was wrong. I don't think it was. See, I disagree on that. Win, it's not like it didn't work in and if, Tampa. If you, it was an, well, I mean, if you're going to upgrade to Tom Brady, you're going to upgrade to Tom Brady. So, no matter how it's working. But it's not like they were winning playoff games. No. But there's plenty of quarterbacks in the NFL ain't winning playoff games. The Rams just traded and they're going to put all their uh, hopes on Matthew Stafford, who's, who's not won winning zero. playoff games. And Goff's been. But to yet the everybody Super Bowl. thinks that Matthew right. Stafford is a really good quarterback. And Goff's been to the Super Bowl. So yeah, so As they, a young quarterback. Right. They made that change. So I, I don't know that you can necessarily go that. Bruce Arians, he was famous for no no risk it, no biscuit. Uh-huh. So how much of that can they put him in a position to be a little more cautious? But at the same time, you can't go into a quarterback job uh, com- competition saying, well, I'm going to go with the guy who won't screw it up more. You're not going to have any success that way. 
True story. You're not, you're not going to win the Super Bowl doing that. <laughs> you got to go into a thing. He's our guy, you man. Can, with that mindset, you can get to 500 or a little better because there are enough teams with flaws and more games are lost than are won. But eventually, you run up against teams that can make big plays while protecting the football and valuing every possession and all that stuff. So you've got to be able to go make big plays at some point. And Winston can make them. Those throws are on tape in the NFL. He can make them. Yeah, I think that last year in Tampa, he had 27 interceptions. (laughs) (laughs) How many did he have? Uh, I don't know exactly. (laughs) He had 30. He might have had 31 or 32. (laughs) He had a freakish statistical season with 30 touchdowns and 30 picks. And it may have been 31 or 32, but just getting to that round number, nobody does both those things. That's the only time in his NFL career he's at over 20. Right, but he's still he's he still, still averages young more than one a game, and he had fumble issues. But he is still young enough. He's still young enough that right. when he's making that many big plays, if you can just stop with the negative plays, you're a playoff quarterback. Now, are you a Super Bowl quarterback, and what's the rest of the team like? That all remains to be seen. Is Taysom Hill an NFL quarterback? A starting NFL quarterback? He's still young enough, even though he's not that not young. young. He's in yeah. his 30s. He's, okay, still inexperienced enough then? The answer is maybe, but I just don't think they look at him and see a guy who's going to win playoff games. Do you games. think Taysom Hill's a starting NFL quarterback? He's not going to win playoff games. Yes that's or what no. the Saints want. So is, so is that no? It's no for the Saints. I could see someone else thinking <laughs> he's an upgrade, but it's no for the Saints. The Saints have been in the Super Bowl hunt. If it's not the Saints, it's nobody. Nobody else to take a shot He's at him. He's too old. He's too old to go on to someone else. Yeah, you're probably right. This is his best shot. Yeah. But there's so many injuries, you can never say never. So keep fighting. Oh, fight oh, all yeah. That so, stuff. so by, but this is by his best default, shot. he ends up being a starter. That's not Winston, what I'm saying. He's Winston, a starting quarterback in the NFL. If Winston comes out and turns it over, he's going to be the starting quarterback in New Orleans. By default. After Winston loses the job. Okay. But do I think right now that Taysom's going to win playoff games as a starting quarterback? I don't. And that's all they're interested in in New Orleans. Nothing else interests them. Let's go to Ben. Ben, good morning. How are you guys doing? Good, Excellent. Ben. How are you? Well, I've been a long, long time Buck fan. I've watched Winston, and he is a great, great quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but he costs you so many more games with how many interceptions he throws. All Taysom has to do is just show a little bit of ball control. I bet you Maybe not get the starting job right off the bat, but he could win it from him very easily. Okay. I think Taysom's got the ball control. I think Taysom, the question is more about making big plays down the field. Um, I guess while not you know protecting the ball, yes, you're not yeah. totally off base. But You're looking at, with Winston, his interception to touchdowns wasn't really that far off. And then when you switch one quarterback, granted, yes, it is Tom Brady. One of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time, they went from not making the playoffs to winning the Super Bowl. Oh, that's a fact. That, so, yeah. It is for a long, long time, many, many Bucks fans have been crying for a different quarterback because he cost us more games than he ever won us. All right. Thanks for the call. You got it, though. But you're. You're, you're not comparing him to Tom Brady. You're comparing him to Taysom Hill. Lots of people would lose their job to Tom Brady. They had a chance to get Brady, so they did. 
So they were talking on one of the stations I was listening to driving in this morning that just on pocket plays, when Taysom was the quarterback, pocket plays, mm-hmm. one out of six resulted in a sack or a turnover. That's too many negative plays. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you've altered the ratio by limiting it to pocket plays. Well, that's what the NFL's about. Yeah. But he's he's the outlier in that he makes more good plays outside the pocket than most quarterbacks. Well, at the college level, he did, but not at the pro level. <laughs> well, you can't he, say that. He's Oh, he's run the ball well at the pro level. I don't think he's run the ball. I know, but it, that's what you gonna, do. Yeah, in the first few years, he got a three-yard gain, and we'd go nuts. We'd pop Martin Martinelli's. <laughs> He'd have a four or five yard gain. We know he can do that. But are you going to be able to do that leading a team down the field on a prolonged drive or to where you have to have quick strikes? Not against the top third of the NFL. I mean, he did it last year, and you can do it against some teams. But this isn't a, a team looking for a quarterback who can get him to 8-8 eight and eight and get respectable and build from there. This is a team with expectations of going to the postseason and winning when they get there. And so, to your point, all those stats... There's just not enough there to go with him unless you've got no other option. And then you go with him and do the best you can, and you know maybe you win 11 games and, and win a playoff game. Maybe. 11 wins is a good season in the NFL, as far as I'm concerned. I know, but the Saints are thinking much bigger than well, that. Good for them. They can think whatever right. they want. But <laughs> and they may not get there with either guy. I mean, 11 ball games is nothing really to sneeze at. comes down to. Uh, the fact is, you've got to be able to throw in the pocket. I don't care how dynamic you are when things break down. Every great quarterback right. has been great and in the pocket. They can still do other things. Right. Montana's most memorable pass, obviously he's running, and the cowboy guy is in his face, and he chucks it up yeah. to Dwight Howard, or Dwight Howard, uh, Dwight Clark. Dwight and, Howard would have been an easy catch. It oh, yeah, really. It's legendary. Yeah. It is better that it was Dwight you want, Clark. Is he a wideout or tight end? Dwight Clark? Well, no, no, Dwight Howard. Oh, oh. <laughs> Howard would be a tight end. He's got to be a tight end. He's too big. You just can't. Yeah, but can he block? He, until he got the hair and all the tats, he was kind of viewed as a pretty boy. <laughs> right, he was. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the point there? <laughs> Make yeah, a place from the pocket. You have right. to do it, and not only place from the pocket, but you can't dink and dunk. You've got to be able to. I just think good defenses are going to load up on Taysom. Everybody's going to be up by the line of scrimmage. They're not worried about getting beat down the field. By so Winston's your starting quarterback, even though he had 30 interceptions. And you may have brought it up a time or 2,000. 30 times, yeah. 30 times, once for every interception. Okay. Yes, I think he's going to be the quarterback. All right. And I wasn't 100% convinced of that in the spring because we don't get to see what they're doing. But he's had more than a year now to learn the offense, learn the same way, Practices. The same way. The Saints way. This is right. how. It's not really the Saints way. It's really the coach's way. That all goes out the window the second they change coaches. Um, and uh, protect the ball. Don't turn the thing over. All right, DJ and PK. Brian Taylor is coming up. The poll's getting a ton of, uh, uh, just a ton of votes here. Is Tony Finau a Ute or a Cougar? we got people explaining it. We will get to that next Kyle Whittingham claiming him. If you don't believe it, well, we'll play it for you. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. If the Utes get great quarterback play this season, they are strong contention to win the conference this year. Do you agree? I agree. At a very minimum, Brewer brings an element to that position this Utah team hasn't had, at least in the recent past. You're getting a graduate transfer with 44 games of Power 5 experience in Brewer, right? He's played in a Big 12 title game. He threw for over 200 yards in a Sugar Bowl. He's won 11 games in a season as a starter. Utah has never had that. We all know Utah has had more than its fair share of trouble at USC. If you're going to win the Pac-12 South, you got to win at the Coliseum. Is this the kid to get it done? I think so, but you still have to play the game. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join Ann's and Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! <laughs> I waited. A dramatic silence. So effective. That was awesome. I learned it from Locke. <laughs> Pause. And then go. Hopefully not too much of what Locke likes to do, though. The five-second rule with David Locke III. I went three and a half, and that bit me. Twice. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> Getting swept both ends of a doubleheader. It's a game now with him. <laughs> I love playing it. Will they get caught? Will DJ get caught? I thought I had the lead there, but that was a double bogey, and boom, you were right back in it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of double bogeys, Tony Finau limiting those. Four rounds in the 60s, and then he wins in a playoff. And he's got not just a win, but he's got a nice win. This is, uh, this is not some like uh, Bob Casper has the A, B, and C events and all that. And you're, you're in the playoff now, so the best, the best of the best are playing, and you beat them. So it's a really good win. John Rahm was right there, had a two-shot lead when the day started. He finished two back. So... Take the one point seven million dollar check. Not Tupac, and the, two back, and the two and the trophy, <laughs> and you're feeling good, and everybody's celebrating. Kyle Whittingham's flashing at you, saying, oh, "Tony's at all our games. He's a Ute, <laughs> right in the front Fly, row, flashing to you." But Kalani's <laughs> celebrating, and the videos out in social did media. It? I did not. Oh yeah, it's out there. Yeah. yeah. He's I don't. A Ute. I don't. Yeah, it's a Ute. <laughs> what is Tony? He's a Ute. Yeah, it's a Ute. <laughs> <laughs> so, Can you be a Ute if you never went to school there? Put it up as a poll question. Finau is a Cougar, 54.5%. Tony's a Ute, 45.5%. And we're just shy of 500 votes. Well, I think that the Cougars will win this. They'll because win this they're thing. more Cougars. Yeah. But if that's what it was, then is this not motivating all the Cougars, or are there more Utes and fewer Cougars if enough people switch sides? <laughs> it didn't used to be 55-45. It was like 70-30 back in the day. More well, yeah, Utes they're in the Pac-12 every- now, and they win. So Jumping course, on the bandwagon. They're no different than every other fan base. Jill, who is a Stanford fan, tweets at us the Tommy Lee Jones video. From the movie where he's standing in the uh, drainage right before uh, Harrison Ford jumps in The Fugitive. Oh, like, yeah. Dramatic scene. I don't care. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. I'm essentially, I'm a U.S. Marshal. I'm a bounty hunter. Think about I it. I got to bring you in. He's married to Celia Ward. There's no way in the world he's killing her. Right? <laughs> that didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Get out of town, Tommy. Use your brain, buddy. Didn't you go to like Yale or Harvard or weren't you Al Gore's roommate or something? Couldn't you have thought that one through, Tommy, as you're both sitting there in some 
polluted ditch? I don't care. Good use of the gift, though. That and, was and there's well, no that was way well that that you're going to survive that drop anyway. I know, right? <laughs> he dies. <laughs> <laughs> they do the CGI. Hey, are we going to let uh, Harrison do this? No, we'll kill a movie star. Don't do that. <laughs> Hit the water, be like hitting concrete. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good movie, though. I did enjoy it. Getting lost in the St. Patrick's Day parade. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Parsonite tweets at us, this is really dumb. (laughs) Meanwhile, we got 500 500 people Oh, wait a second. Why is it dumb? Kyle Whittingham brought it up. He's a ute. He dismissed the very question. B.S. says, well, he grew up in Salt Lake City. He cheered for the Utes. He golfs with Whittingham. He's a Ute through and through. <laughs> That's not enough evidence. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not. You grew up in Salt Lake City? What do you freaking do? Yeah, there are plenty of Cougars who've grown And up you've golfed with Whittingham? Does that make me a Ute? Yes. <laughs> now you're a Sun Devil. We heard Kyle say that. Uh, Dad of Boys says, well, it's somewhat complicated because Tony has said he grew up cheering for Utah, and he still does, but he was going to play college golf at BYU. Do we know that? What do you mean I he don't, was going I to play know, golf at college? I don't know that. Yeah, I was going to play third base for the Sun Devils, too, <laughs> except they said, no, thank you. I thought you were playing third base for the Dodgers. Right, but before on your I got way, drafted. Though, on your yeah, way. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you were it's going to be me at school. third, Bob Horner at short. Barry Bonds in left. <laughs> of the generations all coming together? Uh, they were close enough. Maybe I'm not exactly. They weren't. Um, <laughs> they weren't. Bonds wasn't too far away. Bonds was there when I was there. Yeah. Well, gosh, I would have played left field for the Sun Devils, but they had Barry Bonds. So I couldn't play. <laughs> Could have played third base, but I know where you're going. I see what you did there. <laughs> That's an inside joke right there. Yeah. I mean, if not for Bonds, I would have been a, right. I would have been yeah. a starter on a Sun Devil baseball team. I don't know why Jim Brock didn't platoon us because Bonds hit lefty and I hit righty. <laughs> <laughs> I worked in the UCSB Sports Information Office and one, in, uh, at the start of the baseball season, I got sent with the baseball team as a student assistant on a trip. And it was to ASU for a three-game series. And Barry Bonds hit a line drive to center field. Just an absolute laser. And that batter's eye out there. And he hit it, and it sounded like a cannon went off. Right, but that was against a right-handed pitcher. Imagine what he would have done against the left. I don't remember who he hit it off. Yeah. But I remember that ball. Oh, sure. Unbelievable. Right, against a right-handed pitcher. That's what I'm saying. Meanwhile, in a summer playoff game in Legion Ball, I squeaked oh! a single between first and second for a winning run on that very field. Jake, good work uh, digging in there and getting that photo. And I'm going to retweet that. Jake sent it out about an hour ago of Tony wearing Ute gear, flashing the U. Thumbs together, you're, and, and then the index fingers up. That's let's let's be clear, that actually came by way of peace, love, and Utes. Uh, so I'm retweeting what? your retweet of his tweet. Come on, big deal. I, I have Ute gear. Looking into a camera flashing to you, that doesn't look like a Cougar fan. 
All right, so that there it is. That looks definitive. That looks definitive. We had two judgments by rendered by Judge DJ. <laughs> One, the watchdog had the story on Brewer, because that's where he's seen it first. That's where I've seen it. And secondly, Tony Finau is a Ute. The judge has spoken. Am I wrong about either one? Brian Taylor will tell me. Or you will, more likely. We'll do that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio. You hear him Saturday mornings on the Zone Sports Network. Talking golf with Bob Casper. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Brian, good morning. It is a good morning, guys. And uh, so happy for Tony getting that win yesterday. I think all of Utah was rooting for him. It's been a long time coming. I wasn't. Yeah, you were. John Rahm's a sun devil, man. I take my sun devil allegiance way serious. It's life and death for me. Sorry, Tony. Well, guess what? Your sun devil wasn't exactly in the picture. He's world number one, and he fell off uncharacteristically. And uh, Tony went out there and got it done. So it came down to Tony and an Aussie. I would think at that point in time, you were squarely rooting for Tony. What about my connection to Joe Ingles? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, has he been stretching this all morning, PK? Yeah, he really has. Okay, all right. No, I was well, rooting I'm glad for football Tony. Starting soon. Me too. No, you have no but idea. Thankfully for Tony, winning when he won. No, I was definitely pulling for Tony. Absolutely, it was great to see. We all know his backstory. So the way I looked at it, though, you know, even when he lost that playoff in L.A. Uh, earlier in the year, I wasn't. I was disappointed for him in the moment. But he's got bigger aspirations than winning the LA Open, so I, di- I didn't think it was a crushing blow because I thought it was only a matter of time. And it's great that he got it, that he won this one's a big deal too. Playing on Monday uh, in literally in the shadow of uh, the New York City skyline with a lot of big names playing there, but I still think he's got bigger aspirations than even this. No, I think it's a really good point. You know, he in L.A., it was crushing um, to not get that done in the playoff. He got a bit unlucky, really. I mean, he, he alluded to it in his post-round interview about how, you know, he hasn't really felt like he played all that bad. He shot 64 to get into that playoff Riviera. Riviera is not an easy golf course. And so to shoot 64 on Sunday to get into that playoff and look – Homa, what did he miss it under a tree on the par? Was it the par three? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like he was dead, and he got a good break where he was able to get a shot up there and make par. And Tony doesn't get it up and down. I mean, he, look, that's golf. Uh, just to give you an example, John Rom, right? He shared the thirty-six hole lead with Tony Finau. Both of them were leading going into the weekend, and John Rom, the number one player in the world, is now zero for five in converting thirty-six hole leads on tour. Golf is hard, and and to your point, Tony's got. Bigger aspirations, I think, if he had had he won the L.A. Open, not only would that get the monkey off his back, it would be great for him, but that, that's not his goal, to your point. It's not his goal to win the L.A. Open. It's not his goal to win the Northern Trust. He's squarely in position to win the FedEx Cup and the $10 million that goes along with it and all of that. But, you know, he's looking forward to those four big events next year, right. you know, where he's played so well in major championships and top ten and been in a final group at the Masters. He, he knows he's got so much talent, elite talent, and it, sometimes it just has to all come together. 31 years old. Certainly not too late for him to go on a terror and, uh, and make his mark in golf. And all that's true, but don't you think it just helps to win in that line of thinking 
end people bringing it up. Get it out of your own brain. I won. That field was loaded with plenty of good golfers. Justin Thomas was top 10. Uh, Kevin Na was top 10. Rom was right there. So I beat these guys. And those are the guys he's, I mean, you never know, but those are the guys he's most likely to see in a major too. So now he's done it. There's no doubt about it, DJ. And and, uh, Tony always talks about his belief. And he says, you have to believe in yourself. And to be able to not have to answer the question, when are you going to win again? And even he said, hopefully we'll have to wait five more years. Um, you know, it, it, it is big. I think it's big for the psyche. But to believe, I think that's what we love watching in sports, isn't it? And, and then oftentimes it's a team game where you've got to have everybody come together. There's no one else to come together in golf. You're, you're out there on an island. You're all by yourself. As Tony said yesterday, it's hard to fail in front of the world. It's hard to lose, I believe was the term, sorry. It's hard to lose in front of the world. And, um, you know, that, it's, a, it's a micro um, scope right there on top of you, and, and you have to hit the shots. And Cam Smith, I mean, think about how Cam Smith's feeling. Tony knows how he's feeling a little bit, right? I mean, Cam Smith was, a, was an eight-footer away from a 59, you know, just a couple of days earlier and has already won this year, is one of the best putters on tour, and, and he just the driver has been a struggle for him, and under the pressure he completely hits it out of bounds. I mean, that's, I don't think there's anywhere in his mind he thought that was going out of bounds. And so – um, you know, for Tony to, to step up there in the clutch, I mean, let's just look at his back nine, right? He entered the final round two back, but he turned it on on the back nine, stuffed it on 12, eagle on 13, birdie at 14, great par save on 15, adds another at 16, and then the clutch up and down at 18. I, I mean, I don't know, how, for, a, for a final nine, 30, that, that is just some great, great playing, as he said, chasing the number one player in the world in John Rahm and, and doing what he needed to do, and then hitting a clutch tee shot on 18 as well and putting the pressure on Cam Smith. So I love it. Uh, he gets into the top six now uh, for Ryder Cup, so he'll make it automatically. No captain's picks needed. Um, so it's just a, it's, a great, it's, it's a great story for Tony, great timing. And, and, and that's what you love to watch in sports, going back to the beginning of my comment, is how guys are able to battle adversity and then overcome it. It's inspiring for all of us in the little battles that we have in our own lives, not on as big of a stage as what we see these sports heroes do, and, and uh, it, it was awesome to watch. Really, really happy for Tony. Especially, there's two things I want to get to you with, but I'll get to the first one now and then circle back. Especially in his situation, because if you look at golf, by and large, it is the guys who succeed are the ones who come from some degree of wealth. There's very few Lee Trevinos and Tony Finau's who didn't come from much virtually came from nothing at all and made their way it's somewhat of a country club sport and you see it at the the high school level the teams that have the country club in the high school boundaries tend to be really good at golf because they're playing at a young age and they have all these opportunities presented in front of them and tony didn't have any of that we all know his story so it becomes even more inspiring for those so many of them, including myself when I was a kid, who didn't come from any degree of wealth. And it sends the message that work at it, my friends, whatever it might be, and you have the opportunity to succeed. I'm inspired. Let's go. Let's yeah. do it. Man. Yeah. It's like, feels like a Monday morning. Let's go get it. Let's make that sale. Let's close that deal. There you go. Let it go, PK, man. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> close that sale. ABC, always be closing, Brian. There you always go. Exactly. be closing hey i was curious about the uh you know just the fact that this tournament got to 20 under does it does the pga tour want if not a major you know not everybody has to go crazy like the usga is and hold everybody to even par but 
20 under? Good grief. I mean, the yeah. two guys in the playoffs, neither guy had a round in the 70s. Well, look, <clears throat> we talk about this on the show quite a bit with the caddy, but you give the best players in the world a soft golf course and perfect putting surfaces, and you can't. there's nothing you can do. doesn't matter how long the golf course is. doesn't matter how deep the bunkers are. You know, they are just going to light it up. I mean, look at Tony hits a 6 iron, 219 into 13, the par 5, and just absolutely stuck it to, what, three, four feet and knocks that in for eagle. I mean, you just you, – you, <laughs> the, the great equalizer in, in the game is not distance. It's firm, fast greens. And that is the only way that you can put pressure on these guys. And then you got to grow a little rough up because to hopefully take some of the spin off the shots that they're going into those firm, fast greens. So when you've got a hurricane that drops nine inches of rain, they were – I mean, that grounds crew pulled off a miracle just to get the golf course ready to play. So hats off to them. Um, really awesome that they were able to do that. But that golf course had no chance. And so Tony knew that. That's why he knew he needed to get to 20, and he had to put the pedal down. And, yeah, are you going to see normally back nine on Sunday, in this case Monday, you know, final round, you know, finishes? Not not normally, but, again, uh, it's an outdoor sport. Sometimes you get the baked out, you know, really tough conditions where holding on for par is good. And in this case, it was just, you know, forget about it. These guys are, especially when, when you're on like Tony's on, uh, he, he's going to light it up. Now, here's where I depart from you guys, and I think after I say what I say, you'll agree with me once again that I'm right and you're wrong, and that this doesn't take the pressure off Tony. If anything, it increases the pressure on Tony because you're really good. You had all these close opportunities to win golf tournaments. You didn't get it done. Now you got it done, and we expect more. We're much as given, much as uh, as expected as you guys know, you church-going dudes that you are. So with that in mind that it doesn't decrease anything. It just increases. And when he tees it up next week and whenever, and the next year when we get to April, he's going to expect be expected to not only contend but to win, which is a great thing. You want that, and that's what he's got. Well, you know, it, it's where much is given, much is uh, required, I think, is actually the, uh, the church-going term. But we'll throw expected in there. For uh, I mean, term. I get to the building, but I don't ever go in. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, um, so d- does that ramp up the pressure? It's interesting because Tony, in his mind, if you listen to his comments, he hasn't changed his expectations one iota. So does it add more pressure where he becomes one of the favorites? I would, I would suggest that he has been one of the favorites going into all of the majors over the last several years. And if anything, he was starting to, I guess, fall out of that limelight, if you will. And, and I think Tony's a guy that thrives on it. You know, I think the fact that he played in the final group of the 2019 Masters with the greatest player maybe ever, certainly of this generation, in Tiger Woods, and got to see a firsthand look at how Tiger went on to win his 15th major. I mean, that that's invaluable experience, and he loved being there in the moment. And other than the shot he hit into the water on 12, he matched Tiger shot for shot down the stretch at Augusta National. So he knows he can do, he can do it. I don't think he's afraid of the moment. I don't think the pressure is going to be too great for him. I just think it's going to be. I think players will take confidence off of being back in those premier groups. And I've been watching Tony over the last, over this whole year, actually. If you look at it, he's he's suddenly not in those premier groups anymore. The guys he's being paired with in the first couple of rounds aren't the Justin Thomases and the John Roms. It's the, I don't want to call them B players, but certainly A minus players. And so with this win and being number one in the FedEx Cup, and by the way, with just, just a three tournament series in the FedEx Cup now, he's in 
great position to win that the, the whole thing. Um, should he go on to become the FedEx Cup champ and play well in the Ryder Cup and all that, right? He is going to be in those premier groups. He'll be the darling. Everybody loves Tony. It's hard not to love Tony. Yeah. And now that he's winning, it's just going to, his popularity is going to go through the roof. I think his confidence goes right there with it. And, and I'm probably more on the side that we've got floodgates opening as opposed to in, increased pressure that's going to make it more difficult for him. Well, then all is well. Well, we got to ask the question, man. Utes, Utes or Cougars? Everyone is trying to claim him. Everybody loves a winner. Kyle says, well, I don't want to tell you what Kyle says. Yak, play for him what Kyle says. He's a (laughs) Ute. One more time. (laughs) He's a Ute. He comes to all their games. But there's video of Kalani celebrating, watching, uh, watching him win. So Ute or Cougar, what do you think? I answered that question on your Twitter account already, by the way. And I answered it. I'll answer it again on the air. He's Utah. He's all of us. He's he 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 is red. He's blue. He's jazz purple. Cop out. He is cop out. All of us, and we all can relish in what Tony Fino does as a person and as an athlete. You can only be a Ute or a Cougar. You can't be both. Get out of town, Brian. Come on. And you didn't play for the school. You represent all of us. And you know what? Right now, more than any, I know you, I know this, I, I get it, it doesn't play the game on sports radio, but no. now more than ever, no. we need guys like Tony to bring us all together, yo. No, Tom, you're on, wrong. He's me. wrong. He's wrong. Tom Hagen, Tom Hagen tweets at us, if only there was something in his PGA bio to clear this Tom up. Tom Hagen? Yeah. The consulary? Exactly. <laughs> no, but Brian, a, Brian, my friend, I'll prove that you're wrong because... You are an elected official. I represent it. We're going to reunite the country. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. You're a Democrat or you're a Republican. You're a Ute and a Cougar. And that's an excellent example because we all know the Democrats go to Utah and all the Republicans go to BYU. If you're going to lump politics into our sports talk, I think we're not going to tune in anymore. Sorry, man. Come on. You're killing me here. Well, I'm a political animal and I don't make any apologies for it. (laughs) We don't. We turn into DJ and PK because we don't want to listen to politics, man. We want sports. We want good stuff. Go back to that motivational speech. You wanted me to go close the deal earlier. I like that PK. All right, but what are you going to be wearing? You going to be a BYU entrepreneur or you going to be a sociology major from Utah? Wow, look at the stereotypes. <laughs> Just dropping them right and left. Just dropping. Hey, okay, all right. To all feed into your point. I had a chance to go down to the Utah Open last week, and uh, speaking of BYU entrepreneurs, Ryan Smith spent some time with the media, and interestingly enough, talked for about five minutes on Tony being an elite player right before he goes on to win. So, uh, so that's he knew. Cool. So he knew. He knew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's. I think he's played with Tony several times, right? Yeah. The eighth item. In his personal bio at the PJ Tour website, favorite teams are the Los Angeles Lakers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Utah Utes, and the USC Trojans. Oh, there, that settles it. He's a Ute. There it is. Although he lives in Scottsdale now, so we'll get him. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to turn him against USC and Utah? Yeah. That level of mediocrity? Come on now. Oh, listen to him. Oh, oh boy. You, oh, no. boy, do, we do. own a 6-3 and three record against you since you've been in the conference there, big guy. Is that true? Is that true? No, that's just Six a fact. Three? I don't know if it's true, but it's a fact. <laughs> you will love this, and you know who said it too, Brian. We had a producer, and I don't know, I don't know what was said. Something was said, and the producer said, and that's a true fact. 
<laughs> and we have never forgotten that. That was hilarious. We burst out laughing and producer, what? What? A true fact as opposed to the other kind? A political fact. I think they're going back to PK to wrap it all up there. There it is. Yeah. All right. right well, thanks yeah. for coming on and chatting about Tony's win. And uh, we will catch up with you again around the Ryder Cup probably. Absolutely. And, yes. Uh, and, by the way, go Utes. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm a Ute fan, but uh, not a hater. And uh, I'm sure Tony's uh, all about uh, his brother Kalani down there as well. So, uh, good stuff. We'll look forward to the Ryder Cup. And hopefully Tony's hosting the, hoisting that uh, Tiffany Crystal coming up here in two weeks. That'd be pretty sweet. Mm, yeah. Ten million bucks that goes with it. <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Brian. Brian Taylor and Bob Cast will be on Saturday morning. Real Golf Radio here on the Zone Sports Network. The Ryder Cup starts one month from today. I do agree with Brian that it increases his profile even more. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, but I also think it increases the pressure. But he, the pressure is an outside thing. It's nothing that he needs to worry about. But when they tee it up, especially if he wins this playoff spiel and gets the $10 million, He's now virtually a household name, and to be a household name, you got to have one of the big four alongside you. The best golfer, never to win a major. Yeah, that's not a bad title because that means you're obscenely rich and you play golf for a living. So you know, think at it from our perspective, but those guys want to win. But it creates a little more pressure. It does. Absolutely. Because there's a little bit of, hey, you really ought to be getting this done going there. And I think he will get it done. Well, he, because he's still, what, 31? That's so, what Brian said. I right. So he's got that. another, you got to figure, you never know injuries and all that kind of stuff, but it stands a reason. At least five years. Oh, yeah. I was going to say another 30 majors. But I'm just minimally, at least five years. So that's. I was 20. thinking more 10, which Fine. would be 40. Fine. Fine. So 30 so splits Fino. of difference. You may not be healthy for all of them. Yeah. We've already watched you pop your ankle out and, and horrify us all by he's popping it back. He, he's poly he tough, brother. It. He also wasn't going to win. He doesn't go to the doctors, about. you know, well, we won't even get into it. I he'll diagnosed turn. this as a dislocated angle. <laughs> he'll Bang! Turn, he'll turn 32 on September 14th. Okay. okay so, so he's the same age as Taysom Hill. Think about that. So he'll be 32 and a half when the Masters starts. Correct. Basically. Uh, that's pri- he's prime. That's prime. Thirty-two is not even close to. Uh, this is not the NFL here. Uh, when you're you know, starting on the, especially you're running back or what have you. So I expect him to not only contend because he's already done that. I expect him to win. Absolutely, I expect him to win. <laughs> we all do. Tom, Tom just tweeted a picture of. Uh, that's the conciliary from now on, Tom Hagen. Uh, just tweeted a picture of, uh, of Tony on the sideline at Rice Eccles. And there's some dude mugging for the camera in the first row. Classic. Behind Tony? Yeah. Tony's on the, uh, looks like he's on the sideline. You know, I know he's standing up 20. So someone's taking whatever. a picture of him and somebody. Yeah, Tony's looking right into the camera and smiling. And somebody's photobombing? It looks like, um, well, essentially, yeah. I mean, he's, he's not like standing right behind Tony because, you know, on the sideline, it looks like Tony's on the sideline and someone else would be in the end zone. Uh-huh. And they're kind of shooting diagonally across that, and then there's uh, and there's a guy ma- <laughs> making a face. He looks like he's he's probably thirty five or forty, but he's making a face like he's a twelve year old because he realizes, oh, they're taking a picture of Tony. I'm probably in it. So. He's a Ute man. Mark Harlan tweeted yesterday when Tony won, "Let's go" with about six O's and an exclamation point. 
All right, there. I sent that. Uh, I retweeted that photo. You can see it for yourself. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Covered a lot of ground this morning, and we will get you up to speed next. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. When you take the field two weeks from now against BYU, what what can Arizona fans expect to see out there from this team? A win against BYU. First game, Raider Stadium. Start the season off right, get the energy up, come back, got a nice game. I know some people view that as uh, bulletin board material and trash talk, but you're a linebacker and you expect to win a game. And he had another quote about playing physical. What else are the Wildcats supposed to say? We talked Wildcat football with Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. Your big takeaway from talking to him. I'm furious that he would think that. If I'm a Cougar, I'm going to not allow that to happen to the best of my ability. Uh, There's new energy. And so they knew. Hey, listen, someone drove the thing into the ground, so you need to come in here and pump it up. It's like when Bronco got the job. Hey, we had more rests than we had wins, so you need to infuse what BYU's about, a la Jeffrey T. Holland yesterday, apparently. This is what BYU's about. What's his middle name, R? Uh, R. Jeffrey R. Holland. R. That's right. You said that. My bad. Jeffrey R. Holland gave a talk. I guess it's viewed as controversial. Bronco was told, infuse what we're about into the program, and he put religion into it at a high level. And I'm sure the Arizona folks told Jed Fish, hey, rally the troops, man. Be open, be accepting, and all this stuff. And and so he's got everybody excited. And he hired a couple of Wildcats. Oh, my gosh, can you believe that? He hired Wildcats onto the staff. These are guys. They know how to get it done in Tucson. We're back, <laughs> baby. I can just totally feel it. Here's the boosters and the season ticket holders. is getting all fired Dick up. Dick Tomey's smiling from the great beyond. Yeah, now you're doing it right. And there has to be a certain amount of bounce back. I mean, they lost 12 in a row, but they wouldn't have a 12-game losing streak if they'd had. This goes to your point about last year's season was, I mean, it was football. Everybody's wearing pads and helmets, and the rules are the same. But it wasn't anything close to a normal season. They would have snapped that losing streak. They would have had a money game, and they would have won it. Uh, for the Pac-12, other conferences, it was close. Uh, but for the Pac-12, it wasn't. Well, uh, even the SEC didn't have money games. I mean, they played 10 league games. Every game's a money game for them. Yeah, <laughs> They're cashing in one way or the other, but especially for the Pac-12. Uh, so he's brought a breath of fresh air. That's great. Uh, what does it mean? And they go out and get worked 40-7 to 7 in the short term. It doesn't mean anything. But I think that it was, seems like it's a good hire. You never know. And the, the the individual needs time to develop a program. And the great thing about it is if he does it, he'll be gone anyway. Yeah, staying in Tucson. Read his resume. He's worked literally in every corner of the country. Yeah. He's, he's a Jersey guy who's with the Patriots. He's been in L.A. He coached at Florida. He's been everywhere. He's going to be the Giants head coach. Yeah, Bill Parcells. Move over, baby. 
<laughs> There's a new legend in town. They've got history with Jersey guys. They do. That they do. Uncle Bill being number one. <laughs> who are the other Jersey guys who've coached them? I don't know all their coaches. Well, him especially. Uh, who's the other Who guy? else matters at that point? Who's the, that guy was Tom at— Tom Coughlin won a Super Bowl with him. And, Where's he from? And did you hear about Tom Coughlin? He's an editorial in the New York Times how he is uh, taking care of his— uh, wife now who has major major health issues it's very touching nothing could prepare me for watching my wife slip away yeah they just i think they published it today actually yeah. uh, six hours ago and i saw it and tom coughlin was viewed as a real tough guy i think that he was gary croton's mentor at boston college he's from waterloo new york yeah so he was you know the marine type of guy mm-hmm. who's the other guy that uh Worked under Parcells, was a Notre Dame coach, had the weight issue. Charlie Weiss. Yeah. He's a Jersey guy, too. Uh, Dan Quinn. Falcons was. Uh, so there's there's been, there's been a bunch of them out there. Parcells, of course, being the best. So if he gets it going, he'll be hired away. I would think so. I, I think he'll get it going to a degree. I believe that the Cats will have their day. Under this guy. Well, all BYU fans care about is that they don't have their day in the opener. Mm-hmm. And you fans hope that they do have their day, but then don't have it down the road. <laughs> right. That's what's great about this year's schedule is the Utes and Cougars play so many common opponents and play each other. So that ought to keep things interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really will. And that's I've often said for BYU, they should try to schedule as many Pac-12 games as possible. If there's any way that they could recreate five, it would be excellent. And then three or four Mountain West. They already have two, obviously, with the Aggies and a Boise State. Uh, I would have no problem. San Diego State, Colorado State, whoever it might be. Vegas. Fresno. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Have any of those teams. And then that still leaves them two or three or maybe four where they want to go around the country and bring their product to the Northeast, the Southeast, wherever it might be. I think that that's ideal. I think next year it's uh, two and three. Two Pac-12 teams and three Mountain West teams. Yeah. So they got Oregon and Stanford next year. Uh, unfortunately, both on the road, not at home. No Pac-12 coming in next year. Utes are off the schedule for a couple of years. So... All right, so we spoke with uh, Greg Hansen about uh, Arizona, where they're trying to ramp up his interest. He thought there'd be about 20,000 Wildcat fans. I'd be surprised there'd be that many. That seemed like and a And I big also number. think there'll be more than 25. He said 25,000 Cougar fans. That seemed on the low end. You're in Vegas. 35 and 15 for 50 little, grand? Little Provo. Uh, yeah, I can see that. You know, or Cougar fans pack the place. 45,000. Well, I don't know how much it seats, so I don't know what pack I think it's is. at 60, but I'm not positive. Yeah. So I got in the back of my mind. Okay. Fiesta Bowl cut a deal with Caesars Entertainment. First partnership between a college bowl game and a sports betting company. Sports betting set to become legal in Arizona on September 9th. Could you bet on sports when you went to the... Um, uh, the uh, like tribal casinos and no. that kind of stuff, or no? There was no sports betting there. No, they did not have the traditional sports, sports book. book. They have TVs all over the place. You know, you're sitting there playing cards or whatever. You can watch games. Yeah. That's common. 
That that's through, but they had no. I've been to several of those those casinos, uh, not to gamble. I'm not a gambler, but to meet my family, who are gamblers. <laughs> and then we'd go get something to eat, or we'd just hook up there wherever it might be. I've been to probably four or five of them, and there's no sports books. And, and I say, go ahead and do it, man. Go ahead. Like we had Mark Anderson on yesterday, and I've always believed this. Don't run from Vegas. Embrace in Vegas because Vegas is the one place where everything is monitored. Anything that comes in that's unusual, boom, it's immediately red flagged and checked out. Because the house would lose <laughs> money, and they are not interested in that. And it, well, it's their industry. Yeah. They can't afford no, they to can't. have things that are fixed. It just that ruins the entire industry of what they're about. So. As far as gambling goes, you should be embracing Vegas because that's where it's the most monitored. I never understood that line of thinking, we've got to run from this. No. No. Because it's not like if you run from it, it's being eliminated. In the last 25 years, everything has changed. From you got to be careful where the college basketball tournament is being played to the NHL is there, the NFL is there. Major League Baseball is flirting, whether it's just leverage to get a stadium out of Oakland or whether they're really going to get one in Las Vegas. Mark had his doubts about another funded stadium there. Yeah, I'm surprised that they got this much because I kind of thought it would stay the way it was, but I always thought that pro places and organizations and leagues and whatnot should embrace it, not worry about any illegal activity because everything is questioned and reviewed and... It's so hard to get away with anything there. Anything. I mean, they they can sniff out the the card sharks and all that stuff in the games, and they just don't mess around there, man. There's a lot of money at stake, for sure. So there's cameras everywhere. Yeah, and there's not only eyes in the sky, but there's eyes on the eyes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the last place that you can try any funny business and get away with it. Ocean's Eleven aside. (laughs) (laughs) Although Ocean's Eleven did a good job of letting you know that there's always somebody watching. Yeah. I thought that you can outsmart them. Good luck. But that was for fun. And I got to admit, I'm a sucker for those movies. All three of them? Well, four of them now? Well, that type of movie. Not literally those movies. Yeah, no, 11 11 was the best. I've watched them all, but 11 was the best. Fine. But I'm a sucker for those movies. Those types of things. Or, you know, the Tom Cruise's Mission Impossibles or Daniel Craig's uh, James Bond. I can never follow the storyline, but... (laughs) It's not necessarily the point. (laughs) Hold on, something will blow up in a minute. (laughs) Yeah, I want things that are chase (laughs) scenes and jumping off buildings and all that stuff. Give me that stuff any day of the week. You love The Godfather. How many times do you have to watch that before you had the whole... uh, Every side plot? Because there's a lot of side plots. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that I fully get all the stuff. Like, I watch The Sopranos. I've watched every single episode... But the and I never watched The Sopranos for the actual uh, shenanigans of the mm. mafia. I just watched it because they talk about going to Turtleback Zoo. If you ever watched it, well, Turtleback Zoo is where I went, and it was a big treat because you got on the turtles and you got on the Turtleback Zoo. That's why they call it Turtleback. These massive turtles, and when you're a young kid, you sit it's on the, the turtles. Turtle. And so they would talk about all those places that I had been. Home, baby. Yeah. 
But all that intricate... After you uh, moved into the witness uh, protection program all in Arizona. The, all that other stuff. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was evol- around it, but I, I was a kid, and I certainly was never involved in any of it. But I'm aware of I mean, I had, I've had relatives who have... Uh, gone away they've gone away they've done time yeah that's uh, uh but i i never did any of that stuff as, as a kid no i was too young not not to say if i was older i would have been uh uh the i, I don't i don't think i would have been a made man let's put it that way listen every day at 1 30 as hands and scotty announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season it's the top 16 60 presented by cypress credit union and icon health and fitness right here on the zone sports network Feedback of the day is brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. The Jazzy Ute just tweeted out, props to Utah for being the only P5 team in college football to play at two G5 stadiums this year. Well, wow. that's not true. That's a... That's a shot at two schools, or at least an well, attempted that's shot. That's not true. Carson Soccer Stadium is not a G5 stadium. No, for this year, it is. No, it's not. It's a temporary home. <laughs> G5. That's not. What's the other G5? That would be BYU. They're not a G5. I know. <laughs> He's calling them a G5. It's well, you can call them whatever they want, but they're not. What are they? Independent, free floating, undefined. Isn't Notre Dame a G5 then? Notre Dame is not a G5. They're independent. They are. So, who was the, where was the shot? He called he, as a, he's a Ute fan. And okay, but is he ripping the Utes for playing a crappy non-league schedule? That's what I'm he, saying. I think he is, and I think he's also ripping BYU for you know being BYU because he's a Ute. Oh, I'm fine with that. <laughs> He actually would encourage that. But I didn't know if it was also a shot at... I I don't know. All I know is I read the tweet, but that's how I took it. I took it as a shot at both. Well, don't be reading the tweet. Yeah, I'm like Joe Ingles. If you screw up, you know, when uh, who won said something about farted. Remember that? Yeah. Joe, of course, wouldn't let go. Well, I don't know who farted. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna let that slide, Joe? Absolutely not. I would take all the fun out of life. I plan on having as much fun as possible. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Cameron tweets in, Tony Finau was a huge Laker fan and then changed his allegiance to the Jazz. There's plenty of room for our favorite golfer in Cougar Nation, and we've already seen his successful fanhood repentance. Okay. Hashtag go Cougs. So if it comes down to Western Conference Finals, and it'd be awesome, Lakers, <laughs> Jazz, yes. are we sure Tony is going Jazz? I know uh, I am, but that's for selfish interest. What's Tony doing? I don't know. We'd have to see. He see, shows up courtside. Completely switched jazz. over because of Ryan Smith. Great. How, how do you do that? Yeah, I that's what I'm know saying. How, you do, how do you, if you, I, see, I, I can't put myself in that position. I can't. Because there's no pro team that I have been a fan my whole life. Okay, but I, I, I grew up in San Diego going to Padre games, and I could never announce, I am a Giants right, fan. So that's what I'm saying. I am a Mets fan. So I couldn't you do can it. speak to it. I, I, a 0% chance I can do that. Okay, but how about if you had. Certainly, if you had a child 
a boy who ends up being a big league player. You, could. you would absolutely root for your kid at but whatever team, college they went to. And we've seen plenty of examples here of, course. of people so who grew no up Utah on that. Cougars and then flipped to the other school and were like, Well, hey, the Coveys are doing it I'm, now. Yeah. And Zach Wilson's parents just did it, right? They were Utes. Yes, yes, yeah. Right. I don't know what and their I feeling think, is towards uh, Utah now. I mean, they could still root for both because you only play each other one time. I would absolutely be going to the okay, but the rival stadium and root for my a, kid, even if they played for and the rival. How about if you had a super close friend who ends up buying the team of all things? Well, that's a great friend to have, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I can't really put myself in that place. I don't know. I don't have anyone like that. I assume okay. I assume if one of my college buddies fell into that kind of money and bought a team, then I would root for that team because I've been friends with them for years. But would you lose your allegiance for the Padres, though? No. Yeah, see, that would be interesting. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So does Tony still have any feeling for the Lakers because he's been a I, Laker fan? I, would, I assume he does. I would guarantee he does. I, I can't see how you wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. You I would. Th- I've never had that right. myself. I've never rooted from birth to now for a single pro team. Never. Yeah, PK, growing up, you guys know I grew up here in the state. The Jazz were my team. I could not imagine saying I'm a Supersonics fan or... Right. Insert NBA team here. But how about if one of your buddy's sons played? I think on that I team? think that might change the dynamic, though. Yeah. No, he doesn't own the team. There's 30 <laughs> people. I mean, that doesn't happen. <laughs> right. But it could happen. It's against all odds. Well, you're big. You're tight with pace. And his oh, I was son. Gonna, I was going to root for Nico to do well wherever he went. But would you root for that team? I know you'd root I, for the individual. Yes, I, I, that, I would absolutely root for the individual. Suppose the Warriors really, last year played the San he, Diego if, Rockets. If he, <laughs> <laughs> San Diego Rockets. Is that what they were called? Yeah, there was a San Diego Rockets. Right, right. Yeah, that's Pat what Riley played for them of all yeah. the... That'd be, he and Elvin Hayes would be the two famous people. who. Well, Rudy Tomjanovich, I think, played for him too. So I guess they had a few guys going through Well, there. didn't Bill Walton? Or were they with the Clippers? They were the Clippers with Bill Walton. That was So the San Diego Rockets, their owner didn't have enough money. Oh, so they left. And so he had to sell them. And the Clippers them. were another the team. They weren't the same They were team. only in San Diego like three or four years. Okay. And the owner ran out of money. So he sold them and, and those owners moved them to Houston. Okay. And then the, the Clippers came in... I don't know. Were they the Clippers? Did they stay the Clippers? They had been Buffalo Braves, I think. I know, but when they, they were changed, San, when they're in San Diego, they were the, the Clippers, Clippers in San Diego. Yeah, they, they were the kidding. San Diego Clippers. And then, and they, then, then he didn't want to, you know, pay for new uniforms or anything. <laughs> he still said Clippers on him, so don't change the letterhead. Well, Clippers is a cool name. Uh, it works. I mean, it's yeah. And people are sailing in both it. cities. It works. It's yeah. fine. Not that it matters if it works. Utah Jazz, Los Angeles Lakers, eh, whatever. Memphis Grizzlies, Phoenix Suns. <laughs> that one very Wait, much that works. works. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, Diamondbacks. That works. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.